want to go to there. Snipe! Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes. Thirty Helens agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's kind of flying, actually. Would you believe it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes, still hearts get Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on Sight's TV podcast. This is Kate Kulsik, and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, it's the end of the year. That means I'm getting sauced. No, I'm not. I'm, I am having a beer, though. Yeah, well, it's, it's only fitting. It's New Year's Eve when this is going out. You know, knock on wood. Uh, so hopefully people are enjoying the podcast on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, uh, or at some point in the nondescript future, being the nature of podcasts. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if you're listening to this on New Year's Eve. I should hope that you have better things to do, but <laughs> it's a perfectly acceptable thing to do in the blurry haze of New Year's Day around 11 a.m. Yeah, you know, so there are some people who are, are working, and apparently we're one of the few podcasts crazy enough to actually try to put out episodes during the holiday season. So, so maybe they're they're listening, and if so, we're sorry. We, I'm sure we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna choose the wrong things here. This is our best of the rest, uh, Simon. For those who don't know, what what is this podcast going to be? Essentially, this is. I mean, you hopefully already heard our top ten and top eleven to twenty, etc. From last week, big blowout. Uh, this week, we are honoring everything else, as well as some of the same shows for more specific things. We've just basically come up with a whole lot of categories, bests, and a couple of worst, but mostly bests, just honoring uh, all the little things that made 2013 such an amazing year for TV. It's been a great year of television. It's been a very eventful year of television. Yes, Simon? Yeah. Yes, it has. Which is our nice way of leading into spoilers, 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 spoilers. spoilers. Just spoilers. There's literally almost no shows we're going to be talking about that we're not going to be spoiling the hell out of. So this, this, in the same way that the AV Club divides their Game of Thrones reviews into novices and experts, this episode is for TV experts. This is an experts <laughs> podcast. Last week was a was a novice podcast. We we every show is contained to you know a few ten fifteen minute chunks. Uh, this is a wide-ranging discussion of, of the year's television. Off the top of our heads, uh, what? Uh, clearly, we have Orphan Black. I have a little uh, Vampire Diaries massive spoiler in there. Um, what else comes to mind? Breaking uh, Bad. Breaking Bad. Hannibal. The Americans. The Americans. Orphan Black. Yeah. Rectify. Uh, it's hard to spoil that one, but I managed to spoil one of the biggest scenes. Justified. Definitely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Did we? Oh, we managed to not spoil that twist. Well done, Somehow. us. Yes. Uh, there's there's a lot and way more than just these. So just oh, the bridge. We spoil the hell out of the. Oh bridge. yes, we definitely spoil the bridge. Uh, and every mist, pretty much every murder mystery. Actually, no, I guess we don't. We don't. But... We only spoil that one really. Uh, we I spoil some Downton Abbey stuff. Um, there's there's just a lot, guys. Just know that. Know that going there's a in. Lot, yeah. We're happy to receive any emails from you. We'd rather not receive hate mails because you didn't realize we were going to actually be talking about all of the year's television when you tuned in. Uh, so, so yes, Darby spoilers. Yeah, you you may want to wait until you've watched everything from this year and then come back and listen. Yes. Anyways, so we do our best. We managed to not 
Oh, no, we did. Adventure Time 2. We spoiled Adventure yeah, Time. Yeah, we spoiled Adventure Time. Adventure yeah. Brothers. Yeah. Every, everything. All of the spoilers. But that being said, let's uh, let's start this conversation of 2013. We've already talked about our best shows of the year. Last week, we've talked about our favorite episodes of the year on Sound on Sight in that, that post that we, we both collaborated on with Ricky D and Randy Jankovic. Let's get into some of these other categories. We're going to start things off with the performance awards as it were let's let's start off with your best male and female comedic performances we should say there was no possible way that the any of these categories were going to happen and we were only going to pick one right right so for most categories i have at least two and usually three choices so just just know that going in uh if we have a particular number one we'll say that otherwise just you know these are tied for ones what are what are your choices what's what what is one of your choices for best male or female comedic performance well, my third choice, the, the, yeah, I actually ranked most of these. Oh, so. well, someone did extra homework. I did. Uh, my third, although they're all great. My third choice is kind of cheating because it's a combo performance, but uh, I'm going to give it to Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele for Key and Peele. In terms of sketch comedians, they are without peer. They're so likable. They're so versatile. They're so believable in so many different characters, and yet you always have that familiarity with them as you know sort of the affable hosts of your show which they also do very well they put on a lot of different hats literally and figuratively and do it all very well i went with john oliver who did such a fantastic job this year taking over on the daily show and then because the timing of that worked out so beautifully with the royal baby and with uh so many other eventful things happening while john stewart took some time off to to film his his new project and uh the show could have really struggled, but instead, I think it actually it it sang. It did really well with with John Oliver at its head, and uh, so he so I I thought he deserved a little love here at the end of the year. Fair enough. Uh, next up for me is someone I hope is also on your list, and that's Lamar Morris on New Girl. Winston is, I mean, I like New Girl. I think sometimes they have some really great episodes, but there are a lot of times when I'm thinking Lamar Morris slash Winston. You just need to get out of there and get your own show because he is just so good. He's so fantastic. He's his sense of timing is incredible. Even when he's stuck doing nothing in an episode, whatever one joke, they, which they only ever do, they only give him one joke to do for the length of an episode and he does variations on it. All the variations are funny. So, I mean, I really I can't think of any higher praise to give him than that. I would actually go further. I would go further and say he should run. I mean, obviously he shouldn't financially, but creatively, he's just so much better than the material they've been giving him. So that's a good pick. I don't have him on my list because they haven't been giving him the material. Um, but that's a, that's a good call. I have, though, Mike White, who was amazing this year on uh, Enlightened. And I also had some a couple additional requirements that I'm just going to throw out there because, of course, I overthought this. Any performer I mention could not be someone that I mentioned in a later category um, and so therefore that sh flavored things. So I, I, there, I, I couldn't name more than one person from a given show and I couldn't name a person from a show that I would, you know, praise later in the same category. So I very much love Jason Mansukis cause I really enjoyed his performance and got getting to see him in such a different role this year. But I, I had, to, I had to go with Mike White, amazing performance. And so beautifully still and and thoughtful i don't know how somebody gives performances like that while they're also directing uh, plenty of actors do it um but this year he really stood out for me and i hope you catch up with the show just to see his performance in the ghost scene it's it's fantastic 
Very good. And my first pick, and also probably the most obvious, Mr. Danny McBride, who we will theoretically never get to see be Kenny motherfucking powers again, but he owns, I mean, it's, it's actually, it's redundant to say he owns that character. He is that character. He does pretty, he does a variant on the same thing in virtually all of his projects. And for most, most of the time I'd fault people for that, but his position in current comedy is unmatched in terms of his mastery of just being such a lovable, horrible person at the same time you kind of were hinting at this when you were talking about eastbound and down in in your uh in your top 10 in the last episode giving him the central position of of a comedy series is one of the smartest things hbo has done in the last five years i would actually like to see him try on some drama next because in the rare occasions i've seen him in something even vaguely dramatic like all the real girls he's actually been quite good so i'd like to see him maybe tone it down and show people that he's got range but even when he's doing the same old thing, I just find him totally irresistible. Yeah, he's great. And uh, I agree with everything you said. He's not my last pick. That is Rob Lowe in Behind the Candelabra. Because I have not laughed that hard at a, what, two minutes of screen time in a very long time. I didn't felt I didn't feel right putting that into a cameo category since it was a miniseries. So I had to... Give him some love as one of my favorite male comedic performances. Just, I know the makeup was a lot of that, but also his physicality. It's just that's good. That's one of the most memorable images <laughs> of the year for me. You're you're kind of uh, looking askance though. Were you not as big a fan? No, I just I think cameos happen in films all the time. I don't see why that shouldn't count as a cameo. Eh, I think he's in more of it than I. Mean, I, I don't know. For me, it felt more like a. A supporting performance, I guess, than a cameo. But I'm I'm making my skeptical face. Skeptical face. Let's move on to to the ladies here. What do you have for your one of your female comedic standouts? I have two comedic standouts. Uh, the first one is Amy Schumer for Inside Amy Schumer. Getting to know her via her stand-up. You know, obviously a very different sort of stand-up performance than we get with Key and Peel. Much more uh, personal in nature because her subject matter is, is so intimate so frequently uh, and to see her put on so many different hats with her interviews and her stand-up and of course her characters which generally ended up being kind of the same character in her in her sketches which is totally fine I think was was one of the most uh, bracing bits of comedy consistently even if I didn't think that the show quite consistently hit the heights that I would have liked it to it was never the fault of her performances which were consistently engaging so Inside Amy Schumer season two is one of the things I'm most excited for next year because I feel like it's going to make a big leap. That's a great pick. I'm feeling a little uh, a little disappointed in myself for not having made it. But I'm going to go with Sutton Foster as one of my female comedic performances. Who is my next choice, by the way. Oh, I was trying to not steal your choice. I assumed. Oh, <laughs> but uh, she was fantastic in Bunheads and a real discovery both last year and this year. And I can't wait to see what she does next. I hope it in any way asks as much of her as Bunheads did. See, I thought I was going to be clever because I thought you would go for some sort of ensemble thing. So I thought it'd be safe to pick Sutton Foster, but no. No, that's there our first go. overlap. Any other thoughts on, on her performance this year? No, you go right ahead with your third with your uh, third one okay. or second one. My second one here. How do you not have Caitlin Olson? There's a reason. We'll get there. Oh, that's how you don't have Caitlin Olson. Fair enough. 
<laughs> Fair enough. But I think she was fantastic as D on Always Sunny this year. I wrote my capsule review of The Gang Broke D for our best episodes of the year list, which is up at Sundance site. You can find it there, and as well as plenty of other great end-of-the-year TV content. I wrote that if she was ever going to get Emmy or Golden Globes, love for the show, it was going to be with this episode because she was fantastic. She was amazing in this episode. She was great throughout the entire season. She consistently does great work, but she's never really uh, broken through in the way that she deserves to for that performance. So really, the entire show deserves to. Um, so I, I had to I had to spotlight her here. I would not dispute that at all. She just I, you know, I have rules like you do. So you I have rules like uh, okay. So we'll we'll get yeah. there. And then the other one is Tatiana Maslany as Allison. <laughs> On uh, <laughs> uh, Orphan Black was just delightful and such a wonderful character and uh, creation. I think really the standout for me from the show. But uh, we're I'm sure we'll have plenty more to say about Tatiana Maslany as we move into our best male and female dramatic performances. Let's start with the, the women, female dramatic performance. And I also have Tatiana Maslany as one of my best dramatic performers of the year uh, for all the other characters she played. Yep, she's on my list too. Uh, she is, in fact, uh, numero uno. I mean, the most remarkable breakthrough TV performance of the last five years. I don't think there's you. You're you're not shaking your head at all at no. me in that. No, I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> so many other great performances have been from people we already knew were great, either from other roles or from you know from film or whatever. To have someone just be a bolt from the blue like that out of freaking nowhere, the fact that the the show could not even exist, literally, it was a condition of the show being produced that they had to cast someone awesome enough to do all those parts, and they actually found someone, it's just, yeah, there's, uh, there aren't enough superlatives, and we've we've thrown plenty of them in her direction already, so that's enough of that. And you putting her for comedic and dramatic was very cute, but I didn't do that. Um, my third place choice, uh, since I already spoiled my first, is Elizabeth Moss on top of the lake. Uh, you already extolled her virtues in the uh, in our last episode, so I won't go on too long about it. But Robin was one of the easiest characters to root for all year. Uh, and not just because she'd been through a lot, but because uh, Moss portrayed her with intelligence and sensitivity and strength but never cartoonishly so and not without fault in every episode. She was just a revelation to watch. Yeah, I, I do not disagree. I think she's amazing, and that's why she is another of my picks. <laughs> so there's more overlap here than there was more under comedy. Mind. Okay, and I, I, I feel like I've already gone on enough. Amazing, amazing. And if we're going to say dramatic performers, I think if you want, theoretically, she could also count for her work on Mad Men this year, which was also fantastic um but i i gave it to her for top of the lake who is your second place pick uh my number two is lizzie kaplan on masters of sex and you know whatever issues i have with masters of sex as as a season acting was almost never an issue i and and for that matter dialogue was never an issue it was always in you know the greater details of the plotting so many of the details of the show worked and the, the main performances always worked i think lizzie kaplan finally got the post party down role she so richly deserved and as ridiculous as it could be to see these these guys talk about how she's this magical person who's ahead of her time you actually kind of get where they're coming from because she's just so awesome <laughs> i was reading a little bit about her doing research on virginia johnson and she's just so obviously in awe of this woman and she and she embodies that with such respect but also without deifying her, making her into this impossible person. She's walking a, a fine line, and I think she is, 
I, I'm so glad that a whole other set of TV viewers are going to get to see her in a whole new light because I think she's fantastic. I I agree. Uh, she's not on my list, uh, but I do think she was fantastic. It was a year of, of great performances. I wanted to give a little bit of love to Michelle Fairley because, uh, yes, I didn't have uh, Game of Thrones in my top 10. It barely squeaked into my top 20, but... Were it not for an actress I who is not eligible for this list, uh, her scream of anguish would be one of the moments that most haunted me in television this year. In that category, it is the number two scream that most haunted me f throughout this year. We'll talk about that in a little bit, I'm sure. I'd be surprised if you disagree. But it was a fantastic performance, and I look forward to seeing more from her in the future. And she's really on my radar now, and... I look forward to seeing, you know, if she gets the opportunity to to play a character even even darker or even in in a, a darker place, I would be I would I actually want to see that. That's saying something. Yeah. So let's go let's move on to the men. Male dramatic. <laughs> My number 3 is Brian Cranston. I don't think I need to say anything about that. He's just so self-evidently awesome and I suppose by all rights he should be number 1. I'm just I'm kind of Everyone knows how awesome Breaking Bad is, and we've said so much about it that I'm almost kind of bored talking about it. Well, uh, you stole a couple of my picks last time, so I'm going to steal one here. Uh, uh, Aiden Young? Yes, you did steal one of mine there. Yep. Uh, fantastic. We've already talked about it last week. Uh, go ahead and listen to our discussion of Rectify on our Best of the Year podcast. But just truly... And this, is, this for me, ties in with Tatiana Maslany's achievement this year as well. It's such a hard job they're obviously most of the characters that really resonate with people it's you know it's a difficult role you know either comedy or or drama usually if it's a particularly memorable or very truthful character that's going to be something that the actors really worked towards getting but i just i feel like you got to give extra points for effort for his character as still as daniel uh and is as internal as that character and that performance really was yeah, it's a masterpiece of interiority, and just the fact that, I mean, I don't know if this, I feel like, yeah, this is this is safe to say, just the fact that he had the option of knowing whether he, you know, he was offered by the showrunner the answers to the show's questions, and he opted not to hear them. That, to me, that's the performance right there. Yep, yep. Okay, so who didn't I steal from you? Oh, uh, I don't. Is that is that all you got? Oh, I got, I got, I got plenty more. I have uh, Oliphant. I'm guessing he wasn't eligible for you. Um, I just, I'm sure I've said enough about Oliphant, so I decided not to select him. Yes, Timothy Oliphant, amazing performance, especially everything he got to work with as Raylan dealt with Arlo this season. Just him sitting in a chair in the front yard as. You'll never leave Harlan alive. Strums in the background. An amazing performance all season. Comedy, drama, all of it. Timothy Elephant. So the other pick I have is Simon Merrill's. Good choice. From Spartacus. As Crassus. Yes. As Crassus. And it's just in such such a a st strong performance coming into a show that's so pre-established and had 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 characters that we thought were memorable villains and memorable antagonists. I don't really feel I know if he's you know really counts as a villain. We'll get there. That's one of our categories later in the podcast. But he came in and he immediately was an equal for Spartacus. The actor, the performance, the, he worked in a way that that character needed to work for this season to achieve any sort of real success. And uh, he was, a, again, a, a discovery for me this year. So I was very glad uh, to be introduced to just this really dynamic performance. 
Yeah, I I can't argue with that. Uh, definitely another discovery along with Aiden Young. A good year for for acting discoveries. Uh, my number one is a guy who I have to give extra props for staying signed on to the show long after everyone else had already taken other shows because they were pretty sure it was going to be canceled. And that's Michael Cudlitz on Southland. Um, you're doing a little fist pump, so I, I guess you agree. His work, especially in the second half of this last season of Southland, was astonishing. And I know that sometimes we give over... I feel like we overemphasize praise with material that is painful or difficult. And you know, sometimes we don't appreciate comedic work, which I think... I'm glad you mentioned uh, Oliphant because he's so great with everything. But the depths to which Cudlitz's character, I mean, the things that he has to face and the stuff that he goes through and the fact that we're there with him every step of the way is part of the reason that some of it is so harrowing. And I think it's going to be a goddamn shame if he doesn't get another incredible role very soon. Oh, but uh, I guess it's a spoiler for what show he's showing up on. Are you going to tune in for that show that I know that you know that he's going to be on? Nope. <laughs> well, I, 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 I did not select Cudlitz. I was pretty sure he was going to be on your list, and so that you'd make sure we talked about him. But well it's, done. it's an amazing performance, and and it, I, it already is a character that I've that I really enjoyed. One of my favorite cops in television history, I think, uh, John Cooper. But the spe- specific performance this year from Cudlitz, um, amazing, and uh, I also appreciate that he has known how how strong this character is for years he's really uh fought for the show as best he can uh and uh and it just it paid off big time in chaos but really in the whole season it's a great choice next up we have best uh comedic and dramatic ensembles now did you follow the same rules i did that if you mentioned an individual you they didn't count for ensemble that show couldn't count i tried to but apparently it didn't work okay so I just, I forgot, I guess, uh, for comedic on, I have three for each for comedic ensemble. Uh, first up, I have to mention Archer as much as I didn't think this season was quite as good as those that came before it. I'm not sure this, the show's ever going to quite match the season two season three heights again, just cause that shit, that was so amazing. But just listening, the fact that it's not all recorded in the same room is mind boggling to me. So I guess they really deserve a sound editing award. But the whole, the interplay between Jessica Walters and H. H. John Benjamin and Aisha Tyler and Chris Parnell and uh, and everyone else who I'm probably forgetting is just fantastic, including the guest cast, people like Brian Cranston who were on who were on last season, etc. Even when the show isn't fantastic, it's never less than completely fun. And as and I, I think it was hurt by the fact, again, we have to mention this, it airs so early in the year. I feel like if it had been more midway through and I'd had fonder memories of individual episodes, it might have had a stronger showing. But certainly I never forget just the the experience of, of listening to those to those voices interact, even if it is artificial. No, it, it's a fantastic cast. And it's I mean, we didn't have a, as strong of a connection with Archer this season as we have in the past, but we still enjoyed it. And you, you are absolutely right. They do. They do great work. Um, what other shows do you have? Um, next up is Bob's another animated H. H. John Benjamin comedy with a, with an otherwise completely different ensemble. I mean, the Belchers are the best comedic family going right now, period. Even if we didn't think it had quite as great a year as last year, I think we have to admit that their chemistry is totally unique on TV right now. 
Yep, they're great. And I'm not surprised to see Bob's Make Your List. I I considered it, but I I, I ended up going a slightly different way. Uh, do you have a third pick or just the two? Oh, my number one is incredibly obvious, and that's always sunny in Philadelphia, which is why I didn't select Caitlin Olsen. Uh, the best live action, at least, comedic ensemble going, their repartee and their understanding of each other's characters is unmatched. And I just hope they can keep going from strength to strength as they did for most of this most recent season and not so much the season before. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. And I look forward. I'm hoping that next season is just as strong as this season, maybe even up to season seven heights. That'd be great. But uh, certainly they put in a lot of good work this year. Uh, my comedic ensembles are Eastbound and Down, Veep and Orange is the New Black. That's who I went with. Uh, yes, it's a little predictable if you listen to our, our show from last week. But I do think the because I, I was going to pick Danny McBride from Eastbound and Down, but it really occurred to me that I don't know how well that character works in a vacuum. I think having just the right cast playing off of him and building these relationships between uh, Kenny and April and uh, Kenny and Stevie and even bringing in Ken Marino this year and then some of the other guest actors that they've brought in, I think it really is an ensemble that that makes that world come together. So that's why I chose them. Veep just isn't as good as its ensemble yet. I think each of the performers does really well and does some of their best work of their careers on the show. And I think there's a lot more potential that hasn't quite been tapped into yet but i mean i can think of memorable moments and scenes for pretty much every character this season uh, from from veep and it was again you know the episodes as a whole didn't always come together but each of the performances really worked for me so i think i put that more on maybe the writing or the directing than on the performances themselves i think it's a great ensemble there and then orange is the new black I just listened to our our talk from last week or to our season spotlight uh, with Ryan McGee because that whole cast works so well together. They they bring out uh, these just all these great connections and relationships. And I, I have trouble singling out a single person from that cast. I thought uh, of there of a couple a couple came to mind, and then I just said no. I've got to give it to the entire ensemble. The thing with ensembles and Orange Is the New Black is I always get tripped up on whether or not that's a drama or a comedy. Mm-hmm. It, it really messes with my head and that that kind of, I think, hurt it for both categories. But speaking of which, let's get to dramatic ensembles. Uh, my third choice is Game of Thrones. It seems obvious and I think it's pretty clear to everyone that not every actor is necessarily on the total highest echelon of memorability. But there's a few incredible performances and many, many very good ones. And that's not easy to do. That's There's so many parts to cast on that show and so many characters that kind of cover similar similar ground and to make so many of them as memorable as they are is a real feat. So I think that deserves mention. Yeah, that's a great pick. I have a feeling I'm going to steal one of yours here. The Good Wife? Yep, that's my number two. Yeah, it's a great show and a great ensemble. Any thoughts? <laughs> nope, I agree. I mean, we've, <laughs> again, we've been through this with the other category. There's not a weak player in the bunch. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of great comedic moments. There's a lot of great dramatic moments. Just the entirety of hitting the fan, the intensity of each scene and each performance, it just it it shows how deep the bench is over at The Good Wife. I also have Hannibal. Did that uh, even come into consideration for you? I was thinking of of Hugh Dancy. I was thinking of Mads Mikkelsen, and, and I when I when I you know added Carolyn Davernas, who was so underused, who was so wonderful in the scenes she did get, as well as you know the the appearance of Gina Torres in a few episodes and, and the, the, the lab guy, Scott Thompson was such, you know, an entertaining inspired casting there. I thought the whole group really worked very well together. 
Yeah, I think if it had been a little bit more egalitarian, I probably would have thought of Hannibal, but I do think there are some taller trees in that forest and they kind of obscure everything else. Hopefully they even out that playing field a little bit next season. Fair enough. And I'm assuming we both have Breaking Bad? No. Wow. Okay, well, I have Breaking Bad. Oh, sorry, you had Brian Cranston. Okay, so I have Breaking Bad because that ensemble is amazing, and I couldn't choose between Cranston and Anagon, so... They had to go on something, and and the rest of that cast ain't too shabby either. And they yeah, they seriously. all had they all had great moments this season, from Betsy Brandt to Dean Norris to uh, to Aaron Paul. Everybody had at least a moment to shine. It was it was a true ensemble piece this season, and I, I really enjoyed it. So who who do you have then? Bow justified. <laughs> uh, you mentioned all the fan in in you know, we just did the switcheroo thing. Um, everyone on Justified is incredible and this season everyone got a chance to shine that's just about it I hope they keep that up next season if you're not watching Justified as usual you're incorrect <laughs> I'm not sure which of them is cracked the nuts you're cracked you're nuts I've heard it both ways the right way and then yours I've heard it both ways let's not open any sores I've heard it right and wrong don't dip my thong anymore got blonde hair she's perfect in every way feet not too large not too small blonde hair she's gorgeous not like a bird but like a beautiful woman definitely not like a bird <sighs> there there is a girl to me she met He's a much better singer than he is stalker, and he's a really but good stalker. I, I came to see she's not who I thought she'd be. We don't know this is about you. There was a time when all I knew was Sydney, you're so fine. Sydney, you're one of a kind, but it's not true. I guess it's about you. I barely knew you, but I tried. Who could have known I'd be denied by a woman who, in truth, is nothing but cold and aloof? God, he's hot. Let's move on to our cameos and guest appearances, and uh, let's let's just go uh, comedic, dramatic, no matter what. Just smush them all together. Uh, let's start with the women. Who stood out to you? Uh, I Yeah, I only listed three, and the lady who stood out to me, even though she really only got, I think, three scenes in one episode, which is really the whole point of this category, was Grace Gummer on Coven. I loved that character. I wanted to see an entire series of, of that coven of suffragette witches. Everything about that kicked so much ass. 
that was a that's a great pick and i totally agree i didn't even think of her i should have she didn't even come to mind for me uh, i went with octavia spencer from 30 Rock, who was just delightful. I, th- I, just, I, I did not see that coming. Uh, of course, she's you know fairly recently off of an Oscar win, so I figured they were going to play with something along that lines, and then she just comes in and is insane in her episode. It was a lot of fun. This one is a cheat, but I don't really care. Uh, Christina Applegate as the judge on So You Think You Can Dance. <laughs> that is a cheat. It's a one-episode appearance. But, You're right. But... She's, you know, so it's it's not a performance, as it were, but she really elevates the show every time she's on. And I wish they had brought her back more than once, but they didn't. And so I, for me, she's technically el- eligible for this category. But she has been on previous seasons, so I would kind of consider her recurring. However, I would have accepted Anna Kendrick. You would have accepted Anna Kendrick? Well, no, because for me, this is, you know... An episode, a cameo, a guest appearance this year. And so, uh-huh. you know, so that's I'm I'm allowing it. Uh, but let's go on to the, the, the men who stood out to you. Um, my first choice is fairly obvious, but Robert Forster on Breaking Bad. Uh, in, hugely inspired casting. Here's a guy who does not get used nearly enough, who could anchor a series on his own just fine. He totally needs an arc on Justified at the very least. And I wasn't, I mean, this, the penultimate episode of Breaking Bad was actually one of my least favorites of the season. And he was actually one of the highlights of the episode and really got me through it, even when I thought that some elements weren't working as well as I would have hoped. And I think that character just left an immediate impression. And it helped that it was played by Robert motherfucking Forster. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought of him and dismissed him as having been in more than one episode. But you're right. He was only in one episode. That tells you just how great he was. I just assumed he had to have been in more, but that was just Granite State. So well done. I doff my imaginary cap, sir. Who else do you have? Uh, my number one uh, made an indelible appearance on a show I'm not particularly fond of, and that's Lenny James on The Walking Dead. Uh, again, technically recurring if you count the pilot, but uh, that was such a long time ago. Clear was one of the best episodes of TV this year, which is saying something because I'm really not a huge fan of The Walking Dead. It's the best episode they've ever done, and a huge part of that was Lenny James' performance. He was just fantastic. He, if he had shot Andrew Lincoln in that episode and became the new protagonist, the show would become instantly better. Well, he almost made uh, Low Winter Sun worth watching, and that's saying something as well. So that's an excellent choice. Um, I went for, I, I have two and a half picks for oh. the men. My half pick, because it's cheat, and I know it's not eligible, but I had to mention him anyways, so he doesn't technically win this category because he's not eligible, but John Noble on The Good Wife. I loved that performance. And uh, I, I, when they brought him back, I was like, but but he's, he's dead. Um, and they found a way. And I didn't really care that it was all flashbacks because it was such a great performance. I was so glad to see that character again. But not technically eligible. The actors I have who are eligible, Tay Diggs on New Girl. In an episode where we were all so excited to have Damon Wayans Jr. back, he stole the show 100%. And then I also have John Hurt from The Day of the Doctor. I thought he was such a great addition to that to that ensemble and did just such a wonderful job of jumping in. Technically, yes, he was in 30 seconds of the, di- of, of the name of the Doctor. I don't really care. He really... That, he wasn't really even in that one. He had two lines of dialogue. He counts as being in Day of the Day of the Doctor. Am I cheating too much, sir? Yeah, you kind of are. That's all right. This is why we have our own podcast, so we can cheat if we want. Now, you, do you have any recurring? I do. Uh, first up is Gary Cole on The Good Wife. So many possible choices on The Good Wife, but 
I really loved the material he got this year. And uh, he it's unusual to see him play a character who's just so warm and cuddly and friendly and just almost totally without edge. And it almost it sounds like a like I'm putting him down in some way, but I don't mean it that way. It's just it's it's he just exuded such warmth and love, which is not something you traditionally expect of a Gary Cole character. I always think of him as just a snide badass, like in Pineapple Express or something. And to see him express a totally different side was so nice. And every time he turned out to be a good guy again, when they flirted with making him not a good guy, it was a relief every time. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great pick. A lot of fun. Always enjoy seeing him pop up on my, on my TV. And uh, as, as that character in particular, it's, you know, like you said, there's a warmth there that it's just, it's just nice to see Diane happy, and uh, that doesn't happen a lot necessarily on the show when he's not around. Who else? Did, who else came to mind for you? Uh, next up, I have Patricia Arquette on Boardwalk Empire. Ooh, good call. I think so. Uh, one of the highlights of a fairly middling season, I thought. Uh, <laughs> speaking of characters who could gladly step in, kill off someone, and take their place. Uh, every scene where she showed up was a little bit more interesting than the one that came before, even if she wasn't physically present in the same room as those characters, which she usually wasn't. Uh, she was a breath of fresh air in a season that really needed it. Yeah, no, I she was a real highlight for me in a season that, like you, I had I had a, quite a few issues with. So, but yeah, Greg, I didn't even think of her, and I should have because she really saved a bit of that season for me. Who's your final pick? I'm gonna go with Jillian Anderson on Hannibal. Uh, hugely inspired casting. I was so glad she had time for that role amidst doing the many other things that she does. And something that wasn't a period drama or a prestige miniseries over in Britain. Uh, That character is so beautifully enigmatic and strange and wonderful and really added a dimension both to the show and to Hannibal's character in particular and did a lot to flesh out his personal history without being too blatant about it. It was just a, a beautifully written and performed character. I absolutely agree. It's a, it's it's a great it's a great pick. It's a great pick. Now, who I had, uh, I I just have a handful here. Of course, Patton Oswalt unjustified. I feel like we've it's been said enough times, but you know he only showed up for a few episodes. Margaret Martindale on The Americans as Claudia. Good choice. Good oh, choice. So amazing. And her show needs to die already so she can go back and be on that next season. I don't know what the situation is with that, but, oh, man, I really am hoping that she's able to show up. And uh, I, I guess he counts as uh, recurring, uh, but I loved the way that they brought back Rickety Cricket on Always Sunny this season or just at the very end. So, yeah, he popped up. I, I'm not sure if that counts as recurring or cameo, but I put it in recurring since we're so familiar with that character. So I wanted to send a little love to David Hornsby. There are a few other people that I would like to pick, but that I am saving for a future category. So the final person I will pick for, for best recurring is Molly Shannon on Enlightened, who was just delightful. Every time she shows up, I, I always underestimate Molly Shannon. I tend to too closely associate her with her years on SNL, which uh, she, she was a fantastic addition to the show, but often the characters that she played there, I felt, were overused. And so there was a problem with the show when she was on it. Many of the characters during that uh, era of the show, at least to me, were run into the ground. And so I tend to always associate her with that first. But whenever she shows up, you know, she was on uh, for, well, an episode that didn't really air of Hannibal this year. But she was also great um, previously on Pushing Daisies. She's been on many things, but she shows up on Enlightened this year. And 
yes, Laura Dern's giving a great performance. Uh, yes, Mike White does a great job. It's a great ensemble, but she really clicked, and that character and that performance really clicked for me in a way that uh, I, I was, you know, I, w- I was surprised by. And I think I'm finally at the point where I no longer underestimate Molly Shannon, and I wanted to give her a little bit of love here. All right. Next up is best reality person. Person in reality. Personality. Person. Yes. Uh, and I do have a worst. This is the first category for which I have a worst. I think you know Ooh. who it is, <laughs> who they are, and that's the Afghanimals. Uh, yes. Well, that's totally fair. I, I, was, uh, I was thinking more about hosts than contestants. If mm-hmm. I'd been thinking of contestants, we would have spun out in a whole other direction. But uh, I think my reality pick was the same this year as it was last year. It's Padma on Top Chef. <laughs> She's just so great. And not for any of the normal heterosexual reasons you might think. Um, I should say heterosexual male reasons. Uh, she's just so delightful to watch in the things that she does not say. <laughs> uh, she is just the master of non-statement. She's been doing this for a long time, and it's paid off. She's just so much fun to watch on Top Chef. She's traditionally the most fun part of a show that is generally fairly enjoyable. Although I do want to mention, since I'm talking about Top Chef, that... Uh, another cameo contestant who I have to mention now is Dr. John, who was on a few weeks ago and was spectacular in a completely unintelligible sort of way. Yeah, Dr. John is one of my picks for best reality personality. Because, oh, there we go. Yeah, you mentioned him earlier uh, when we were talking. You wanted to know if I had him down for, for cameo, and I couldn't because I had to have him for specifically his discussion uh, his high-minded intellectual discussion of uh, acidity versus uh, versus seasoning and spice in hot sauce, or more specifically, how important it is to have heptang in your hot sauce. And uh, he was fantastic there. Uh, he may be showing up again before the end of the year on, on your televisions, everyone. Hopefully he is, if you're watching the right shows. And he's fantastic. He's a lot of fun there as well, but specifically his show appearance on, on Top Chef was a lot of fun. I also have Kat Dealey because she's the best host going. Padma's great too. Padma's definitely a contention, but for me, Kat Dealey, because it, it, not only does she do a fantastic job, much like Padma, but she does it live. And she does such a great job of managing the, just the vibe of the room with the judges, with the contestants. She's she's always there 100% on their side, helping them out. And, uh, you know, it it shows that she's been doing this for 10 seasons now. She's she's damn good at what she does. And she gets she gets nominated every year. But I don't think she's ever going to win for Best Host at the Emmys. So I, I got it, had to throw a little of her way. I should say, as long as we're talking about So You Think You Can Dance and reality categories in general, I want to throw the producers of that show a special award for adjusting their show on the fly mid-season yep. to better suit the audience because that was a really good move yeah it was it was smart it was a good call definitely and our final category in performance is the sixth man award this is the the all-around player who showed up in you know various different roles on our tv this year and really stood out in in everyone or at least everyone that we saw i have I have two picks. I have two women and two men. One of my men is very predicted, uh, Pat Oswalt. I just want to get that one out of the way. But this year he was in World Girl, Two, two and a Half Men, The Heart She Holler, Portlandia, Parks and Recreation, Justified, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Axe Cop, and of course he narrates the Goldbergs. He's been busy. That is a lot. Admittedly, a few shows I don't watch, but 
you, you, you certainly, you're correct in that that is a lot of television. And everything I've seen him in, I've really enjoyed. So I think he's doing fantastic work. Of course, the standout for me is, is justified. But he's great on Parks and Rec. He, he's just his own unique brand of fun on The Heart She Holler. And, uh, and I think he adds a lot of credibility to the narration in The Goldbergs. Uh, who, who's your first pick? Uh, I guess I have I have two picks, one of which I literally just thought of, uh, and I may have to get you to investigate, but just how many shows did Rob Corddry turn up on this year? That is a good call. Of course, Rob Corddry was on Ben and Kate this year, Burning Love, Children's Hospital, uh, Happy Endings, uh, plenty of th- plenty of shows. It's you know, and then of course that's just his television work. He's also a busy man in film, um, but yeah, good call on, on Rob Corddry. Who else do you have? Uh, my only other pick is totally cheating. It's the most cheating I'm going to do on any category, and that's Amy Simons, who, as far as I remember, only appeared on two TV shows this year, but she was also in two films, and the reason that she gets the award is because she may not have had the most appearances, but she had the most diverse appearances. All four roles were completely different. On The Killing, she played the most depressing anti-mother of the year possible, in a way that I haven't necessarily exactly seen before, which is saying something in and of itself. On Family Tree, she was the most well-adjusted person in the entire cast and a perfectly adorable love interest for Chris O'Dowd. So that was great. And then in her film work, she was basically the comic relief in the slasher film slash home invasion thriller, You're Next. She isn't in the movie very long, but she leaves an impression almost immediately. She was fantastic there. And of course, she's the female lead in Upstream Color, which is just flat out one of the best performances I saw in any medium all year. So she gets my pick. It's a great pick. Uh, I haven't seen most of her other work or else she definitely would have been eligible for me as well. Um, I, I, I actually have Chris O'Dowd for Family Tree, Girls and Moon Boy, which of course aired in the UK earlier, but came to the United States this year on Hulu. Um, th- that's you know sort of a secondary pick because he's only in three. My the pick that first occurred to me at the beginning of the year, and I, I thought then this is somebody who's definitely going to be contention. That would be Gerald McGraney, Southland, Mike and Molly, Longmire, House of Cards, and Justified. I have I can't really vouch for Mike and Molly. But he was fantastic and all those others. Of course, the the real standout is his arc on Southland. The only reason he wasn't one of my recurring guest stars or one of my best actors was because I knew I was throwing him in at Sixth Man. As for the the women, I have uh, Allison Janney, of course, on Phineas and Ferb, Veep, Mom, and Masters of Sex. And June Diane Raphael, who was on Whitney, Parks and Rec, NTS... NTSF, of course, New Girl, The Kroll Show, uh, the Inside Amy Schumer, Drunk History, Burning Love, and American Dad. So again, everywhere. And I didn't see all of those appearances, but the ones I did see, I always perked up and was always glad to see that she was on my TV. That's a really good pick. Okay, that wraps up our performance awards. We'll be right back with our technical awards. One at a time. I'd put men like you behind bars every day. One at a time. You may take my years, but cannot lock my soul away. 
All the years I had to I've run. I've chased you through the so years. So long ago it all Now began. Now your journey's out of In end. the shadows on you my shame. You will pay for what you've done. But was I ever to Death play? will be your only friend. Do I let this fight and now? Do not interrupt just me. Just in this life of let pain. Let me finish what I need will to say. Will the end be welcome now? But I'll let you finish will first. Will my journey be in vain? Don't let me get in your I way. I only stole a loaf of bread. Are you finished all now? All I needed to survive. Okay, now it's If my I turn. End up in your cell. Can we have some give and take? I have stayed alive. Let me get in a word. Child. Now where did this bitch come from? I have no idea. One at a time. Where, where would we go? We can go anywhere that you know. Could we travel through time? Or maybe see France? Or anywhere else naked ladies will dance? Could we fly in a booth? Could we go? I'd rather stay at Greendale. Could we ride a hot air balloon? Yes! Now that's an adventure. We should go soon. We can go anywhere in a balloon. Yes! That's an adventure. We can go high. We can see anything up in the sky. Yes! Now that's an adventure. Please bring your dentures. We're so thrilled. Because soon we'll be in a hot air balloon. Next up are our technical awards. So we're going to start out with, well, first let's start with a bit of a PSA here. Breaking Bad for everything. Yes, we've gotten that out of the way now. Out of the way. Um, let's go to best uh, cinematography. Um, I'm going to combine number two and three for reasons I sort of hinted at in our previous podcast, but Les Revenants and Top of the Lake are incredible looking series that also benefit from shooting in incredible looking places that don't look anything like places we normally see in terms of location shooting on TV. Les Revenants gets bonus points for the absolute, for the loving attention to mood and lighting and, uh, Top of the Lake gets bonus points for taking place in a slightly less creepy location. <laughs> yeah, those are those are great picks. I also want to throw into the ring here Hannibal, which just was visually just breathtaking, and the the way that they chose to to really embrace a, a very cinematic approach to, especially the the scenes of violence earlier in in the series, um, as well as just the whole uh, the whole series. It it looks gorgeous and uh it's gonna be popping up a few more times on in these categories for me next we have hair and makeup any any shows come to mind for that <laughs> i know less than nothing about hair and makeup i will say that um the americans stands out for its i mean it's incredible and widely celebrated use of period wigs uh that that can't be easy so points for that I mean, I'm assuming it can't be easy. <laughs> um, of course, any discussion of makeup as well as our next category, which is costuming, I think has to go to Mad Men, which, I mean, not too many shows get the Tom Lorenzo treatment every week and can stand up to it, but Mad Men can. Yeah, and that's, it's, 
It's a wonderful thing. I love reading Tom Lorenzo's Mad Style. Their their reviews as well. It's a great website with uh, lots of fun things to say. It actually has me. I follow them on Twitter, and I actually am slightly more knowledgeable about fashion than I was before, which is you know somewhat of an astonishment. Uh, for for hair and makeup, I have the Good Wife because of that whole bangs thing that I've been enjoying. Um, with the, where whenever we're in a flashback to when Alicia and Will were together, she has bangs, and that's just such a clever move. I love it. Uh, Boardwalk Empire daughter Maitland gets an unfortunate reaction from Narcisse, and the makeup on that was hard to watch. Uh, when you see her face after after she's been beaten, and then of course Game of Thrones, because I thought they handled uh, Jamie's uh, stump actually pretty well throughout. So I wanted to give a, a little bit of a uh, little love there as well as of course, there's plenty of great um, hair and makeup on, on Spartacus, you know, as they're dealing with all of their wounds and, and things that, that actually worked pretty well. Um, let's go to costuming. You already said Mad Men. Yeah. I lumped in Mad Men there. I'm cool. With costuming. I'm also going to throw some love to Boardwalk Empire. Of course, I, I absolutely agree with your, your choice of Mad Men. That's, that's one of my picks as well, but I wanted to give, you know, like you said, trying to, keep everything period um so I, I really do think they do a fantastic job on boardwalk empire and also again i'm gonna say game of thrones cast costuming that whole ridiculously large cast of characters to feel very lived in and very much determined by the the different regions next we have design which i don't i don't think anything other than hannibal can take this category mm -hmm. I, I mean if we're talking set design set dressing uh lighting Every aspect, every non-cinematographical aspect of visual storytelling is impeccable also in Hannibal. Yeah, it, it's a, yeah, absolutely agree. I'm also going to throw into the ring. I loved the design of the Sept in Game of Thrones. That's a, that's a space that I had visualized for a long time having read the books. And I thought they did a great job of bringing it to life. Also, that wallpaper in Boardwalk Empire, when he goes to Florida and is staying in that crappy hotel, there's that beautiful wallpaper it's sad that that's what i remember most from that episode that and the introduction of sally wow. but it, i i do so they they know their stuff on bulwark empire let's talk uh action set pieces what what we i have one i i it was either one or like 10 so i i, I have one what's your pick i have three uh number three is obvious but i have to mention it the final battle on spartacus it's not easy to evoke a huge armies clashing on a minuscule, what I take to be a relatively minuscule budget, and Spartacus pulled it off without too much wincing. So I got to give him the credit for that. Um, my number two choice is for a show you didn't watch, and that's Banshee. There is a pretty incredible uh, car chase in, I believe, the first episode. It might, handy God, it might be in, in the second, but I'm almost positive it's in the pilot. I was impressed with it immediately. That was a blockbuster level car chase sequence so good for them but number one i feel like it might be the same as yours and that's the attack on hq in strike back complete with rocket launchers and some very practical looking explosions in a major metropolitan area <laughs> no that i that's you've already said mine but it's not that one that was a great pick yet yeah, with the uh with everything falling down and the mortars it worked really well i mean i feel like under best action set piece i could just say strike back because almost yeah, every episode much. has something. But for me, there was one action set piece that stood out above all the rest. And that was not just the finale of the final battle in Spartacus, but specifically the, the fight between Spartacus and Crassus. Because when I was watching that, 
I thought Spartacus was gonna win for a second, and <laughs> and he, you know, it it made it made you it made you believe that anything was possible when we knew that it wasn't. When we knew this was a show that was going to stick true to the history, and that is. Uh, that is a supreme achievement as far as I'm concerned. So there have been um, just any number, I mean, circling the wagons unjustified or, uh, or, or the, uh, the, the bank heist on strike back or Brienne fought, fought a freaking bear. There's been lots of great action this year. That was the one that stood out more than anything else for me. That wraps up our technical awards. We will next move on to music right after this. Oh, they say the words, your oyster. Man, but oysters ain't for me. You're the bell of the ball, but you ain't my cup of tea. They always vote you best in show, but this dog he disagrees. Cause I like life at Patty's Pub. Okay. There's a place for me, it's the place I go where the beer is cheap and the lights are low. It's Patty's Pub. I like Patty's Pub. Show the greatest place to go is that bar called Patty's Pub. I like life in Patty's Pub. Music Awards, and you've already heard several of our picks. You already will know what a few of them are um, in between each of these segments. But being who we are, we had to have some. Yeah, it's been a great year for for music on on television. Let's start with our best score. Who'd you go with? Uh, first best original score goes to The Walking Dead. Bear McCreary is doing. I mean, I didn't even see most of this new season, and I still know Bear McCreary is doing fantastic work probably more consistently fantastic work than anyone else involved in the entire production. So I think he deserves a mention. Fair enough. Longer term listeners of the show will know that I'm always a big fan of Bear McCreary's work. I'm I've followed it for years. Uh, he did not warrant an, a mention for me though, because there weren't that many that really stood out that really mo- musical moments that really stood out for me. Whereas the good wife and their, their fantastic uh, real embracing of broke sort of, Vivaldi-esque strings uh, has really worked for this season and then a highlight for me. Do you have any other picks? The Good Wife is my number two pick. Ah. And my number one pick is a show that deployed 
the most unusual, the most bizarre, the most fascinating original score of the year, and that was Hannibal. Um, That's my have, other pick. <laughs> there you go. I have no idea what I'm hearing most of the time on Hannibal, and it's fantastic. It's like I'm listening to like late '90s experimental techno scoring, or something like, or like experimental ambient with you know drones and organs and. And, the, and everything's filtered out so you can't identify everything. And I'm doing a terrible job because I haven't actually heard it in a long time. But the scoring on Hannibal is unlike anything else on TV. It's spectacular. It's just a lot of sound wall composition. And it works so well to put you into Will's mind where you need to be. Or And then, of course, I also love their use of classical music. There's been a lot of great classical music incorporation on Hannibal as well as on several other shows. Um, notably, off of the little little tip of the hat to Key and Peel for for bringing back the opera, but uh, but no, I, I I absolutely agree. It's it's very specific. It's it's the kind kind of composition I enjoy. I know not everybody does, but I like that they take a bold hand with the composition on Hannibal. Best soundtrack slash music supervision slash music um, supervision. Number three for me is American Horror Story. I love the way that they fold in pre existing music into the plot for instance the use of the name game last season i'm not sure if that falls i'm not sure if the episode that included aired this year or last year but i'm still going to fold it in as part of my overall thesis so suck it mm. um and also of course the use of um the creepy french pop song that the the yay yay tune rather that acted as a motif for the entire last season is a part of this too the use of stevie nicks obviously and fleetwood mac in a wider sense, uh, this new season has proved to be a, a huge through line as well. I just love the way Ryan Murphy uses pop music to explain character. And obviously he's done that to an, to an obscene degree on Glee. But I, I like the way it's it's folded into the sort of genre aspects on American Horror Story specifically. Yeah, no, it's a great pick. Uh, I went with a similar pick as far as... Um... The, the use of period or location specific. Obviously, American Horror Stories is a lot of New Orleans uh, either based or inspired kind of music. Um, and I went with The Americans, which has had just fantastic period specific music that really is very memorable and also sets the tone incredibly well. Um, it's it's I, That's a soundtrack. I don't really buy soundtracks very frequently, but that's one that I feel like I could get some heavy rotation out of. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the air tonight, in the pilot alone. Yep. Great Damn. stuff. Damn. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's that's something that'll make a, a TV show stick in your brain. Uh, my number two choice is actually Rectify, which uh, I didn't think of it much at the time, but did some really interesting deployment of tracks here and there, not only because they're tracks I happen to enjoy, but because of where and how they happen. And... I had to give it extra points for something I found out about later. There is a song that's deployed at the end of the second or third episode called uh, Shark Fin Blues by The Drones, an incredible Australian garage rock tune. And when I heard it in the episode, I thought, this is a great song, but I don't really know why it's here. And then later I was reading an interview with Aiden Young, who was talking about it, and he said, well, this song is, is foreshadowing my relationship with Teddy Jr. four episodes from now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, that's awesome that's so, pretty great rectify earns a place for that yeah i have uh i have justified which is sort of like the the breaking bad uh and of course uh pick so it's a little less interesting 
Um, but but again, I always love the music that they use on Justify. It's always it's always going to be something that sets the tone perfectly. And I also had to throw in a Boardwalk Empire because the 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 daughter Maitland character and the music that has come from that has just been gorgeous all season long. It's been wonderful to see a strong, an excellent singer in that role. I wish they had given you know, the character, anything to do for most of the season. But, hey, at least she got to sing, and she she did it really well. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, my number one is a dual pick. I mean, the the actual pick is Treme, and it's not even fair. Yeah, that's, again, it's not even fair. Okay, so that's Treme with Nash. <laughs> and, of Thanks course. <laughs> and, of course, Treme. But I'll also mention its fellow HBO brethren, Eastbound and Down, which I get to do for the last time. Jody Hill is a true crate digger. Either him or the music supervisors he works with, I'm not sure, although it, it extends to his film, so I'm going to assume it's him. Uh, sorry if I'm not giving anyone enough credit. He digs up some real gems, some really obscure, dirty-ass hip-hop, really obscure deep cuts on 60s and 70s rock records, all the way up to stuff you'd kind of expect. He he throws in some obvious stuff every once in a while, but usually he goes for the really obscure stuff. And as a former DJ, I have to give props when that happens. So I'm going to miss his his oral sensibility on my TV. There are a couple more, uh, just to, to you know, hint, there's a couple more great musical moments coming for you in the last couple episodes of Treme. Uh, so I'm sure you will enjoy that specifically, Simon, and any of our listeners. Keep an ear out for, for what's coming because it's great. I'm so, I'm, damn, I'm going to miss that show. Okay, keeping on the positive and not sad side of things, let's move to theme song. What was your, your favorite new theme song of the year? Oh, are we only doing new theme songs this year? Oh, yes. Oh, no. Uh, well, in that case, I, I only have one pick because I was gonna because I was gonna mention. Uh, well, go ahead. Treme is always in there, and I if I didn't select it last year, I want to mention again Adventure Time, which has a theme. song. As far as I know, it's the only show in existence that has a theme song performed by its creator. <laughs> so I think it deserves props for that, and it's so perfectly fitting for the entire series. But for being short and sweet and perfectly fitting with the t- with the tone of the show i'm going to give it to orphan black i always get a little bit stoked when i hear it it's nothing fancy it's probably only about 25 seconds long but it's melodically memorable and timberly pleasant and gets out of the way which is more than i can say for most other new theme songs that is true that's definitely true that one uh yeah, I guess I just, I don't remember it. Maybe it's been too long since I watched it, but uh, that one didn't stand out to me. What did stand out to me, I don't know that I love the the credits that go with it, but the theme song that I enjoy is The Americans. It's uh, appropriate, and I, I like the melding of the East and West, and, you know, I, I that goes to my classical music uh, nerdery with the mighty handful and all that. Uh, but anyways, I, I, I enjoyed the the theme song to the Americans. It's, pro- it's my new favorite, I would say. What about opening credits? Opening credits, uh, luckily these are all new, sort of. Um, <laughs> n- number three, I'll give to Hannibal. Uh, again, it's I, I kind of can't separate the intro from the sounds in this case which again do you call that an intro theme (laughs) you can't you certainly can't hum it but uh hannibal does benefit from a very memorable visual and again anything that sticks to around 30 seconds gets immediate points from me that being said my top two choices don't so i'm being a huge hypocrite um number two is another theme you can't hum but they do they do a great job with the visuals every season. That's American Horror Story, not a new show, but a new intro. Yeah. 
New so, terrifying intro. New terrifying, honestly scarier than the rest of the show. Yeah, definitely so, scarier. Points for that. And uh, I best new intro, honestly, Sleepy Hollow has a kick-ass intro. Yep, it's on my it list. It has a really, has a really kick-ass intro. Yeah, and it explains the story in a very straightforward way. I actually like the theme song too. I think it fits very nicely with the aesthetic, um, and of the show, but also just of the the design of the the opening credits i also have strike back because it's just fun and it's not new but it's new to us because we discovered you know the show this yes. year so I, I the strike back theme is fantastic and intro yeah the whole you know it's a lot of it's a lot of fun before we move on to our our next uh category do we have any worsts we want to chime in here worst theme song worst credits any what comes to mind uh, i have two specifically that need shaming and it counts for the theme and the intro number the first one is masters of sex I don't know what they were thinking with that. It's ugly. It doesn't fit the tone of the show at all. It's not a good theme song. And the imagery they're associating with sex here is so corny and so not befitting anything. Oh, it just, it bothers me. Showtime is so bad at this. <laughs> and you said you have a second one? Yes, I do. And it's banshee. It's fugly. It's long. It's not good sounding or looking. They need to fix that because it's not a bad show. It does not deserve an intro like that. Let's move on. Ouch, ouch. Well, let's let's get a little more positive here with one of the most challenging categories in the entire podcast this week. Um, best original song. So many contenders this year. See, uh, we when we came up with this, we had two separate categories for original song and for musical sequence, and 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 I still do. Might I add? You you have it separated. I have one big category for those two things. Uh, with four winners, so go for it. I don't know. I don't know how you want it. Oh, you want to just do that? Let's okay, just do so it. I'll list mine. Uh, so this is original or not musical sequence in general. Um, my number four is Virginia singing on Masters of Sex, which happened only I believe uh, two weeks ago. Which I didn't know Lizzie Kaplan could sing, and she's not showy about it. But as you said in the in in that Televerse episode, it was perfectly in character in every possible sense, and it was just a, a really nice treat. I thought. Uh, my number three choice is something that I th think may come up at some point in the future, and that's uh, the Ice King covering, if you if you might if you might like to call it that, the theme from Cheers in Simon and Marcy. I can't think of an iconic TV theme song being repurposed like that ever, and so I think that deserves some credit. Uh, my number two choice is, I'm sure, going to be on one of your lists, and that's Key and Peele's Les Miserables knockoff, which, do, do you remember the title one for that? One at a time! One at a time. That was spectacular <laughs> uh, in every possible sense. But my number one choice could only be Charlie on It's Always Honey in Philadelphia. Which and one? to Patty's Pub, the first one. Both of those uh, definitely made my list. And that's what made it tricky is that there are a couple other ones that I, you know, I felt like I had to mention. So we loved both of those. Of course, those aired the same week because, you know, why not? Yes. <laughs> it was an embarrassment of riches that week. There were plenty on Bob's Burgers. They mostly didn't really wow us. On Always Sunny, there was also that great little Josh Groban cameo about how Dee's not like a bird. Um, and uh, we had, uh, you know, Adventure Time had some, some fun songs this week. As uh, this Adventure Time had some fun songs this year. The Oscars had a couple entertaining songs, at least as far as I was concerned. Um, Josh Groban also on the crazy ones, but I, but I, the one I had to point out aside from, I like life at Patty's pub and the spiders, 
deep in my soul <laughs> um is is uh big bang theory is if i didn't have you which was just so sweet and you know funny and endearing and perfectly in character for for that scene and and the the situation that it it was used in i also want to mention that i have not seen i know i should have but i haven't seen rock the 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 torah i also have not seen the neighbors musical episode which i hear is fantastic so i'm behind on those and i apologize i'm sure they're great I haven't really seen them. The Psych Musical was fun, but there wasn't a particular song that stood out like these, some of these other ones. Uh, as for musical sequence, uh, you, so did you... This, that was it, right? For yeah, mus- I combined them. For musical sequence, I mean, you know what else happened this year? Perfect Relationship. It's a perfect relationship on Bunheads, where we started out with, with Bailey Buntain, the blonde Bunhead, uh, singing, and then it transitions into Michelle singing the same thing, and we get to watch her, and it's a wonderful, delightful moment. So I figured I would include that as well as the ice King could go here as well, where it's not an original song, but it's a, it's a sequence and it works really well. We also have best musical moment, which I, I kind of tied in with Simon and Marcy, but I, I had to mention a deployment of music. It wasn't a song. It wasn't a sequence, but the reigns of Castamir being played by the, the musicians and the great hall. What a, wonderful use of music do you have any other ones that stand out to you in that vein uh not really that's a an obvious but obviously excellent choice yeah that 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 wraps up our music let's move on to dance sure uh i was thinking back i I needed i mean obviously so you think you can dance had to be in here and i was thinking back and i always have trouble recalling the specifics of competition shows but i did remember the blindfolded routine so i feel like that should be in there well, especially because poor Jasmine didn't even make it to the 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 final six or the t- the top twelve. I think she was maybe the top fourteen, maybe the top sixteen, but she was fantastic, and it was really disappointing to see her get cut so early. That was a great sequence. the The waltz with Amy and Fiction also stays in my mind very well. I loved that one. Um, mm-hmm. The I mean, I was I was pitching the whole week six episode for to be one of her best episodes of the year, and that was the one that had the kiss of the spider woman it had the waltz it had the brothel hip hip hop breakdown with jasmine and aaron it had the the guys with the rope it had the the ladies with the fountain it was a fantastic episode all all around it had a couple other ones that weren't quite as memorable but uh but yeah those were those were pretty great and the other so you think you can dance one that i have to mention is that ridiculous bollywood number that amy did yes that was a good one that was insane any non so you think you can dance contenders Yes, I've got two more, one of which I'm sure we'll both mention. Number two, I'll go with Bunheads and the last dance they ever got to do, Making Whoopi, which was just so thematically wonderfully consistent. And I mean, not necessarily the most memorable in terms of the actual blocking, but in terms of being what they went out on, pretty damn great. Yeah, that was my pick from Bunheads as well. Um, it's I also thought that the just the dance sequence of them in Next when they're when they're see, getting the Bunheads are getting a bit of a taste of what the audition process is like. That was also very memorable for me. But uh, as far as the you know produced dance sequences, I'll give it to that one. And I think our number one has to be the same. Which is, come on, Kenny on speed on Mad Men. 
Oh, gosh, yes. I, that hadn't even occurred to me because I don't think of that as a dance performance. But you're right. You're right. This Come is, on. It's a great pick. It's wonderful. And I feel like a fool for not having written it down. But yes. All right. Uh, does that sum up this? Yes, that wraps up this segment in covering music. We'll be right back with our thoughts on this year's characters. I want to do a tap dance at the local DMV. I want to give a lap dance to a Starbucks employee. What about getting a new tattoo or possibly two or three? I want to smack the entire cast of Glee. So we. Also me. I want to learn to use a chainsaw. I want to do a dream ballet. Should you ignore us, we'll add a chorus. Everyone form a kick line. What do you say? Hooray! 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 Uh, obvious and already mentioned, so I don't want to say too much about him, but Cosmo
uh, sort of thrown praise on, but I get to do it in a totally different capacity, and that's Allison on Orphan Black. Uh, easily the best of the clones, which is not to denigrate the others, because they're all special in their own way, but she was the unexpected comic highlight of a show with no shortage of them. And uh, I just, I can't wait to see what she gets up to in a few months. Absolutely. And the uh, the final pick I have, and I know you share this pick as well, Bob Benson. People may have noticed and been horrified that we did not have Mad Men on either of our top 20s. Um, Oof. Yeah, I know. It's a statement. But while I respected this season of Mad Men, I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, and the big outlier to that, aside from Kenny tap dancing, um, and some of the some of the other things that will come up a little bit later here in, in the podcast, outside of that is James Wolk as Bob Benson, who was it was just a fantastic performance, and also just such a captivating character. Uh, I thought they, the combination of performance and writing was was really well handled there, and uh, I look forward to to more James Wolk on my TV. Awesome. Uh, next up is best. Villain. Best villains <laughs> and worst, too. I have a worst. Do you have a worst villain? <laughs> I, I don't, but I can guess what yours are, probably. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you know who my worst villains are. Uh, let's start out with the best. Oh, no, you should- let's start out with the worst. Let's get those out of the way. So You go for it. Uh, I got uh, Leaky and really just the, the, the mysterious sort of mumbling of gray you know, not even white noise, but gray noise of villainry on Orphan Black this year. It didn't work. It That's the the single biggest demerit I have on the season of Orphan Black, and it's probably a big thing that kept it out of my top ten. Uh, as, as fascinating and compelling as our protagonists were, they did not have an interesting enough villain to, to counteract. And then also Bolton on uh game of thrones uh, i know he's he's i can't even remember the character's name it's it's bolton's bastard son i think it starts with an r and that tells you how much i care about that character it was an unfortunate waste of not just a character and not just theon's character but was too, way too much of our time and it really dragged down the season that's the biggest thing aside from the red wedding and brienne and jamie fighting a bear and a couple of other of their scenes that's the biggest thing i remember about the season of game of thrones and that's not a good thing yeah fair enough uh, i can't argue with either of those at all uh for best villains my number three choice is again someone we've already mentioned but deserves praise and that's mike o'malley as nikki augustine unjustified all the better for having come completely out of nowhere on a show that's you know had two previous villains make big splashy entrances and having him come out of nowhere and blow blow out the brains of the guy sitting next to Jerry Burns. <laughs> Stephen Tobolowsky. <laughs> Sorry, blowing out the brains of Stephen Tobolowsky and prompting the best Jerry Burns line reading ever. <laughs> For that alone, he deserves a spot here. Yeah, it's a great pick. Um, my first pick is just very predictable. I'm just going to get it out of the way. Hannibal Lecter. Mads Mikkelsen's awesome. Great performance. Wonderful uh, re-envisioning of, of, of an iconic character. But it's also incredibly predicted. What's your next pick? Uh, again, someone that's already been mentioned, but can't shower enough praise on, and that Simon Merrill's is Crassus. Yes, more of an antagonist than an outright villain. But then you remember all that crucifying he does, and you think, ah, yeah, villain. Counts. I went with Tiberius, because I hated him even more. I hated his fucking rapist 
terrible, just the worst thing ever guts. I hated him more than Joffrey, I think, this year. Oh, that's pretty good. That's 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 some serious hate. Now, are you, are, are you ready for my number one I'm pick? I'm ready for you your really number get, one pick. You're really going to kick yourself for not thinking of it, so you okay. better be ready. <clears throat> the combined forces of government and or police neglect and or malfeasance in the context of a capitalist system left to rot by the untethered free market on Treme. That's good. I like it. I went with yeah. the, I went with Augustus St. Cloud. <laughs> on the Venture Brothers. Very good. Yes. But I think that's a good one too. And a little bit bit more depressing. Uh, a bit more real if you're gonna, you know, get to there. But uh yeah. Excellent pick. Any thoughts Thank you. <laughs> any thoughts on Augustus St. Cloud? Uh, I, I found it confusing that fans seem to really dislike that character because I definitely had a blast with him. Yeah, I thought he was great. That's that's one of the biggest, I think, along with maybe some of the critic love for Border Empire, that's one of the biggest splits between my reaction and everybody else's, I think, this year. Next up, we have our best couples or shipping, which I, I, I'm i not surprised that this was a little easier of a category for me than it was for you. Um, so this could be just buddy duos. This could be couples. This could be potential couples. Which way did you go? I chose one of each, and hopefully nobody gets them confused. Uh, <laughs> so honestly, the only I don't really do shipping. I find it creepy most of the time. No offense to the three quarters of the internet that does that, but um, and also I find shipping for couples that already exist totally pointless. So I don't understand that at all. So if you're gonna be creepy, just all the way anyway but um the only couple that i was really rooting for this year was probably robin and jono on top of the lake if only because everything around them was just so horribly unpleasant and i was rooting for them so much that i thought when it was an open question if it turns out you're related i kind of still want you to stay together <laughs> that's hardcore that's you know that's, that's that's as close as i get to creepy shipping it may actually even go all the way Fair enough. The uh, the only real one I have, well, I guess there's two. Uh, one is becomes quickly becomes an established couple, but the 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 shipper in me was, as you will remember, hardcore shipping Peggy and Stan on Mad Men this right, year. Right. Yes. So that you know, we'll see what happens with that, but especially after she raked her boyfriend, whose name Abe. I want to say Abe. Poor Abe. Yeah. That, now that that's out of the picture, you know, we'll see if Stan can figure his, his stuff out enough for that to come together. I, I just don't really see what you see in Stan. I see what... Well, first of all, I see the relationship and how Peggy is when she's around Stan. And I like the Peggy that's hanging around Stan. And whereas I didn't like the Peggy who was hanging out with Abe. And I think a, a big thing of who you choose to be friends with in life and who you choose to surround yourself with is how do they affect who you are? Because everybody's a little different with you know, any other person. So find the person that makes you the best version that you want to be. And that's probably somebody who should be in your life in some way. So that's, you know, way too serious of an answer for a far less serious question. The other one that I have that's, you know, I guess kind of shipping, they get together pretty quickly, is Celia and Alan from Last Tango in Halifax, who were just so painfully adorable and sweet and perfect and lovely together, um, that when that was in question briefly it was it was traumatic for me it was very traumatic um so i was i very much enjoyed the two of them and just watching you know how they interacted and all of that it was just a wonderful arc over the course of that short season um loved them together so they're they're my other coupley couple my non couples i know some people ship jamie and brienne pretty hardcore but they had a lot of great scenes 
um, this year. I, I had to mention them. Just their duo, their partnership was really great. And by the end of the season, when they are going to part ways, that's that's a big moment as far as I'm concerned. So that them, but the more like sort of friend thing, Allison Fee, right? Orphan Black. Um. Yes. But wait, do we mean Allison and Fee or? Allison and Fee. Obviously, Sarah and, and, and Fee are the siblings, but, but Allison and Fee are the two that were the most fun to spend time with. I guess. I mean, Allison doesn't really do much for Fee. He just kind of works for everyone else. It's, kind, it's a little bit one-sided. No, she brings out, I think she brings out a different side in him. I think, you know, she, you know, she's able, they're able to relate in a way that they, they shouldn't. Um, and I think he enjoys going into suburbia and uh, scaring off the normies. I think he has a lot of fun with that, actually. And, you know, you know he, he's a very giving character. And, um, uh, yeah, obviously, or else he wouldn't have stuck around <laughs> for the drama that happened this season. But I, I think they have a, a surprising friendship that, that I enjoy. And as we've seen, Allison can get pretty intense and she can be a pretty, I think she can be a pretty intense friend and uh, you know, loyal friend. So I think we'll see probably more of that at some point in this next mm -hmm. season. Uh, my friendship pick, definitely not chipping, uh, would be Finn and Jake on Adventure Time, who, I, especially the more of the show you watch, it's interesting to watch their relationship because it shifts all the time, but it's always healthy. They don't obsess over each other's happiness. There's even, there's a perfect example in the episode, uh, I believe, oh, I'm going to get this wrong probably, but I think it's called All the Little Things, which is an episode where uh, some sort of witch shows up and and just sort of gives Finn... To, without his knowledge this bag that contains miniature versions of everyone and he sort of becomes obsessed with them and jake is like okay this is weird i'm gonna leave for a little while and when i come back i hope you've sorted this out and the intro title says 16 weeks later <laughs> <laughs> and then he you know he, he knows like okay you're gonna work this out but i'm not gonna smother you we'll deal with this later and that's sort of a recurring thing they they sometimes they're bros they say bro all the time and sometimes Jake is more of a mentor because he's obviously older. He's got a family, but their relationship is definitely the heart of the show. Even and that's important in a season when Finn especially is behaving in ways that aren't always that savory, which the show is very very aware of. So, props to them for that. The yeah, obviously I look forward to exploring that that friendship when I catch up with Adventure Time. I I also my last pick because I have way too many picks in this category. Uh, Stonebridge and Scott, such a fun discovery for me this year, and uh, that rapport really centers and balances that show. It wouldn't work if the, the not only the characters but the actors didn't have that amazing rapport. And uh, as I've mentioned before, I just want to see them go to The Walking Dead and just sort the zombies in like a week, maybe a week. And then, you know, we can move on from there. So, uh, yeah, Stonebridge and Scott. Who do you, do you have anybody else? No, I think I'm covered. Let's move on to the best parents. And, uh, who's your, who's your first pick? I have two sets of parents, uh, both pretty obvious, but I'm going to go with that. First up is Adam and Christina on parenthood. I can't really think of them ever significantly screwing up as parents and they've had a lot of difficult stuff to work with. So, you know, I kind of think they're a shoe in They're incredibly obvious, but they got to be mentioned. And my other pick would be Bob and Linda on Bob's Burgers, who are not only a great married couple, but, you know, obviously they could keep a closer eye on their kids more frequently, probably. But, you know, because it's Bob's Burgers, we know they're never really in any serious harm anyway. And I think that their sense of openness and acceptance of how people just kind of are uh, rubs off on their kids in a way that may seem weird sometimes but i think it's ultimately healthy for them well and 
because they've raised their kids well, they trust them and they know that they have good heads on their shoulders. So they get into all sorts of insane, crazy things, but they usually respond intelligently. They know when when, when things get serious, they know when it's time to go get adults uh, to, to help them out. Like th that happened this year in the Halloween episode where they're like, okay, we got to send somebody for help. And then they couldn't. It was a whole thing. But still, <laughs> the kids have yeah. good heads on their shoulders, which is why, to spoil a little bit, they're one of, you know, obviously they're the shoe-in picks for best kids. But that's also why Bob and Linda are, are on my list. You had Christina and Adam. I don't have them this year. They were the shoe-ins last year. I have Crosby and Jasmine. Also good answers. Adam and Christina... They might have had, like, three scenes with their kids all year. They didn't really spend any time with them uh, because they were, you know, we spent way more time with Max and Hank than we did with Max and his parents, except for that one episode with the but, photography. But you have to give them points for not saying, okay, this whole thing with Hank is weird. Let's get him out of there. That's true. That's true. They did get points there. But I've really enjoyed watching Crosby have to actually be a father to an infant, which, you know, it's nice to remember that he hasn't done that because he didn't have that opportunity with Jabbar. And so watching him balance the stress of the baby and and how Jabbar is feeling and how Jasmine is doing and watching all of that this season has been truly a highlight of parenthood for me. And, and even just, uh, you know, watching him stri struggle against some of these things that come with having a, a new baby and... You know, you keep expecting him to do the cliched, annoying TV drama, especially network drama move. And he doesn't because it's a much, much more, uh, much more honest, I think, portrayal than the manufactured drama that comes out of, for example, having to buy a minivan on most shows. Um, I also have Kate from Ben and Kate because she's a fantastic mother. She, she's amazing. Listen to our DVD shelf on Ben and Kate if you want to hear us sing her praises a little bit more. But the fact that she's managed to raise such a well-rounded and likable and, you know, not annoyingly precocious uh, child, mostly on her own, is impressive. And she does a really great job of balancing her family with her work and everything else. So Kate from Ben and Kate is my other pick. Let's move on to kids. I assume the Belchers are also just the shoe-ins for you. I don't think I named the Belchers, if only because they were just too obvious. Yeah, it was just sort of there. This sort of like the Breaking Bad pick for some of these other categories was like, yes, the Belchers, let's move on. Yeah, I was inclined to honor kids on dramas because historically kids on dramas, A, get the most thankless roles and B, are the poorest written. Um, I'm not going to actually do worst kids, but that, there was a real reminder uh, for that with me when I was watching Banshee which just has a horrible teenage daughter character. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is how these kind of roles are usually written. Ooh. Anyway, so uh, number two, I'm now questioning the order. I'll say number three goes to the Americans. I wasn't crazy about, like, a subplot here or there, but in general I thought the kids were really, really well handled, and I was surprised at, you know, given where things seem to be headed for next season, I think for most shows that would be – I think if Homeland were to try a similar trick with their kid characters, you'd be like, "Oh, I don't want to watch this." But I think it would actually it it I think it's actually going to work out on the Americans. So good for them. Quick, with that. Uh, quick test here to see whether your your picks are legit. What are their names? Okay, it's sort of not fair because I really don't remember any character names from the Americans right now because it aired in January. I'm just saying, how memorable of a depiction is it if you can't remember that she's Paige and he's what Henry? There you go. You've remembered. Yeah, but they One didn't make remembered. my list. 
Fair enough, but you have to admit they're pretty decent kid characters. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. Okay, what I I like mine better, but uh, what else do you have? Who else do you have? Uh, my number two is the Good Wife. Um, I think they've always done, maybe with some small exceptions here or there, they've done a, a great job with Alicia's kids. Names. Whose names? <laughs> Again, so many characters on the Good Wife. Grace and Zach. Um, there you go. Also I've not also on my had... list. I've also there was at least a shot and a half of rum in that eggnog. <laughs> um, so yeah, okay, not on your list, but I think they also deserve credit. Okay, and your number one. My number one is fucking Victor <laughs> on the returned. <laughs> he doesn't. I don't know if he really counts as a kid because he's technically like fifty-five years old. But I'm gonna give points to that actor and that character for being one of the most memorable of this of this entire season. <laughs> Victor was on my list as well. I was pretty sure he was going to make yours. Um, I have an honorable mention to Tui because I actually think that character is fantastic. Um, that's from Top of the Lake. But uh, she doesn't... We don't get as much time with her actually really getting to know her um, as we do with some of these other characters. So... I think she was an amazing kid this year and really great performance. I also have Maddie from Ben and Kate. I figured I thought I should have a nice comedic performance on there. And I, th I thought that was a fantastic character. Um, Max from uh, Parenthood. He's had less to do this year, but the scenes he has had, especially that pairing, like I've already mentioned with Hank uh, and we've already mentioned, I should say was, was really effective. And then I just, I had to go back to Sally, Sally Draper. Mm -hmm. Kieran and Shipka. She's so good. She's so good. She got a lot of a uh, lot of things to do this year, going off to the girls' school and some other stuff with you know Megan and Don. There there was some good material for her this year. Not as much as she's had in other seasons, maybe, but uh, I I still think that she's a truly fantastic uh, kid character on television as well as young actress. Um, so that moves us to our next category: decidedly less optimistic and happy as 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 uh, a character like Maddie. More in t tying in with Victor here. Who are your best deaths best death spoiler alerts um not so much for the medium of death the mode of death itself but i'm gonna give points to the bridge for its uh killing off of goose who or gus depending on your pronunciation uh not necessarily the greatest character or the best casting or lots of other things but you know points for actually killing him off when it when i was really quite sure they were going to chicken out points where they're due um, number two, uh, Crixus on Spartacus. If I had to isolate one, it would be that one. It was grueling. Uh, and particularly the way that shot was filmed from, um... His perspective. Watching no, from, her eye. Yeah. Um, well, not really his perspective, because it was actually his perspective. It would have gone... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yes, I, I see what you mean. Number one, I have this written down as take your pick from Hannibal <laughs> because there were probably several dozen and they were all quite inventive and horrible in their own way. Yeah. Th that's a good overall pick. I also have a sort of, you know, and yes, obviously let's move to more, uh, you know, interesting picks. The red wedding is the obvious choice, hugely memorable, hugely effective. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, all same thing with Hank breaking bad. Yeah, amazing. I, I sort of took that as a given. It's sort of a, a given. The the non givens that I have for the for the women, I have Rebecca on Strike Back. I have uh, I have Hel Hel Helena from Orphan Black. I did not see that coming, and so I thought that was very effective. And the other one I have is Lady Sybil from Downton Abbey. That was a just a grueling episode. That episode actually for me was in contention for our best episodes of the year. 
Um, but no one else had seen Downton Abbey, so we couldn't get any consensus on it. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I really thought that was a very affecting death. Now, for the men, I also had Crixus. And uh, I wanted to, to, I thought really deserving of a mention was Dr. Blake Downs on Children's Hospital, which was a truly fantastic series of deaths this year. And then I had to also, I mean, anybody who listened to us talk about this last week uh, will know, uh, will not be surprised by my pick of Arlo on Justified which was such an affecting and uh, well-executed and, uh, oh, God, I didn't mean it that way. Um, <laughs> Well-handled, well shall we say, death. Uh, and the way, of it, not just the shooting and staging of it, but the way it affected all the characters around it. I thought that was very well done. Uh, probably my number one, uh, the first one I thought of, the first one I wrote down was Crixus, but uh, I second everything you said. That was a fantastic death. And those are the other ones that came to mind. Let's move on to a cheerier topic of best badass to round out our characters. This is the Constable Bob Award, yes? Yes, yeah, we're going to just get him out of the way. But uh, my number three is sort of cheating because it's more for the actor and my general appreciation of him this year than the character, and that's Ted Levine on the bridge. Um... I sort of want to transplant that character to a better show and Ted Levine to a better show uh, because just having him and his gruff and his gruff presence on that show made it at least 20% more enjoyable whenever he was on. And it, it delighted me to no end about midway through the season when it became clear that no, he was not going to be the killer. Phew. <laughs> so that was great. Um, number two, I'll give to Melissa Leo on Treme for her years of, of fighting the good fight on that show, which I assume continues through the two episodes I haven't seen yet, and uh, just tirelessly trying to do the right thing, even when it's pretty much the most thankless thing in the universe. And uh, my number one, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm still wrapping my brain around the language I'm going to use to justify this one, but I'm going to give it to Felix on Orphan Black, who sticks around by his best friend's side through thick and thin, when any sane man would have run away a very long time ago for anything else. That is a so, fantastic pick. I'll give it to Felix. Yeah, Felix is a total badass and you know and, and we say best friend but it's a sister. And yes, they are best friends because that's not always the same case. You know, best friends, siblings it doesn't always necessarily overlap and it does for them. But that is such a strong bond. And you're absolutely right. Any sane person would have, you know, maybe grabbed the kid and run, but at, at the very least, just run himself. And that's a great pick. I had to just run. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Just spoiler alert. Um, the other picks I have are uh, are Brienne. She fought, she fought a freaking bear, everyone. Obviously, yeah, she's points for that. T total badass this year. And then I have Alicia Florick, because when she took her turn in hitting the fan, once she goes into Warpath mode or when triggered Mama Bear mode, that's also very entertaining. There are few people on television who are as big a badass as Alicia Florick, so she had to be another one of my picks. And that wraps up our character selections. Now we'll take a break and come back with our episodic selections. He lifted her high in the air. He sniffed and roared and smelled her there she kicked and wailed and made so fair but he licked the honey from her hair from there to here i saw a friend today it had been a while we forgot each other's names But it didn't matter cause deep inside 
feelings still remain the same. We talked of knowing one before you met, and how you feel more than you see. And other worlds that lie in spaces in between, and angels you can see, and all the faces that I know. Have that same familiar glow I think I must have known them Somewhere once before All the faces First up for our episode picks We have Best Pilots Now this might seem like a very familiar conversation Obviously many of the picks here Are going to be ones that are already on our Best of the Year list And it also might seem familiar because Everybody's been talking about uh, pilots only a few months ago But I'm assuming most of our picks, Simon Are going to be from the first half of the year Is that accurate? Yes Well, we'll see Okay, well go ahead What what came to mind for you? I have four uh, I'm not really sure about the order So I'll just go with what I got uh, First up is the Americans Which was easily the first standout pilot in general I think it was the first to air, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I had high expectations of it. It met them much, and thankfully, unlike several other things that I'm going to mention, uh, actually kept them up for the rest of the year. I thought it set up the conceit really well. I think every pilot had at least one stumbling block, and I think for the Americans, it was having Noah Emmerich's character literally be a neighbor, which I still think they probably should have found another way to do. But I think they, with that caveat out of the way, I think they sold it in a way that was relatively unobtrusive and basically everything else about the pilot worked. So that was a good one. Yeah, it's on my list too. And for me, the the neighbor awkwardness was made up for by that intense, fantastic sequence in the garage. Absolutely, yeah. So, and so wonderfully handled with just the, the, the camera angles and the motion of the camera to like the way that they revealed Philip. Um, it was, uh, yeah, so that's definitely one of my picks. What else do you have? Uh, speaking of early in the year, I have Orphan Black, which not necessarily, again, like the best pilot ever. Um, definitely some some clunkiness here and there, but as you've previously mentioned about the show, it just sidestepped so much that's wrong with other sci-fi pilots and was so willing to just throw us not only in media res, but just in utter confusion or at least lack of, of knowledge of what was going on. You didn't even know this was a show about clones until something like episode three or four. So I, I think the way they chose to do that was brave and unconventional and probably cost them a million viewers right off the bat. Yeah, I, that's also on my list. I'm curious how much of a hive mind we're going to have here. Um, I think three of four, because I also have four picks, but Orphan Black was definitely one of my selections because unlike some of these other shows, I wouldn't have kept watching if the pilot wasn't really good. We didn't know Maslani was going to be amazing. We'd never heard of her. It's not like with the Americans where there was a known quantity of, first of all, FX and uh, Graham Yost's involvement, but also Carrie Russell and plenty of this, these other people. Uh, with Orphan Black, it was a, this is going to be on after Doctor Who. I, I heard vaguely it get mentioned on the, the Talking TV with Ryan and Ryan podcast and the Firewall and Iceberg podcast. I should guess, you know, they got screeners. We didn't, so I guess I should check it out. Um, and it blew me away because of you know what you already said, but also just 
the 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 brief starts of of that amazing Mislani performance and i mean it grabs you in those first you know it knows that no one is watching this you know at least in america no one is gonna you know have a reason to tune into this um so it, it really grabs you in its first even five minutes uh so yeah orphan black had to be on my list here what's your next pick uh, i'll mention orange is the new black uh if only because like again not, I, I don't think it was a fantastic year for pilots, frankly, but I think that in terms of managing audience expectation and sort of, especially in retrospect, subverting audience expectation and sort of laying the groundwork for what it's not going to do later, I think it's actually quite a sly pilot, mostly because it's not actually a pilot. It actually shouldn't, it just doesn't really belong in this category because as far as I know, it wasn't produced as a pilot. It was just produced along with all the other episodes. So in a way, it doesn't even count. <laughs> I do, I do not have Orange is the New Black as one of my selections. Instead, I have Hannibal, which I'm feeling didn't make your list. Um, but this was, again, like we already said, this was a show I was actively dreading. And I watched that pilot and it exploded my brain, <laughs> partially because I had such lowered expectations. But also just thinking, I, I can remember the visuals of that first crime scene, the way that we had had the, the, the wipe across the scene and slowly removing each element of the crime and following Will's perspective. That's one of the earlier um, scenes in the episode. And I still remember it at the end of the year. And that's saying quite a lot. The performances are fantastic. The, the visual palette is amazing. They knew exactly what kind of show they wanted to make from the first episode. Not everything congealed until a little bit later in the season. It didn't really all come together in that pilot but it, it again this is another one where i don't know if i would have kept watching if i hadn't been wowed by the pilot and i was wowed by hannibal all right and the last one i have to mention is masters of sex which you just nodded and is also on your list it's funny because the masters of sex pilot is great in one specific way that the rest of the season wasn't that we've already harped on so many other times but i i feel like from that mat from that pilot you could spin off into a better show than the one we got, which is not to say the one we got was bad at all. It actually was very good a lot of the time, and it did make the bottom part of my top 20. But I just for executing that premise with style and grace and uh, ambitions that were mostly met and fantastic acting and music choices for the most part, um, it was just one of the mo one of the most consistently best made episodes actually all year, let alone pilots. Yeah, it was a great pilot, uh, and we were very. Uh, there was a little bit of buzz, obviously, with this cast. You're going to be excited, but uh, but it was another somewhat of a surprise. I, I think again, we've mentioned this on the podcast plenty of times before, but we really connected with that pilot in a way that the other critics, that uh, at least that I'm aware of, didn't seem to. Uh, so so maybe there was an a, a added layer of I think this is going to be good. I'm hearing you know, mixed but positive, and then we really enjoyed it, uh, both of us, and I. I I do think that you're absolutely right. There are things that the pilot gets right that later in the season might not. Uh, but the promise in that pilot, which is always what you're looking for when you watch a pilot, the promise of, of a show in that pilot is really fantastic. Yep. Three out of four ain't bad. The hive mind is back a little bit here with, with that pick. Let's move on to our best premieres of the year. I would be surprised if you didn't have just a fed is one of your picks. That's a show that always just comes back so smoothly and quickly. Uh, uh, with, you know, you, you just slip right back into the world. This season, obviously, it started with that mysterious, you know, what's going on here, coke crash into the middle of the the suburban uh, 
uh, neighborhood. Um, but but also, I just thought again, it was it's, again, it was so comfortable putting this one back on. This was a year where I had trouble coming up with a couple picks for this, but Justified came right to mind. Another one that came to mind, a comedic pick. I really did love the Children's Hospital premiere this year. I had so much fun with it. Probably it helps that I watched it at Comic Con, surrounded by a giant room of people loving it as much as I was. But it was really fun the way they just said, yep, we're ditching the Belize. I, th- I think it was Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, that we're ditching that setting, you know, the normal setting of where they are in Bolivia or in uh, Brazil, maybe Brazil. That sounds familiar. I think it was Brazil. Yeah, and we're just going to Japan and we're going to be at an army base in Japan this year. Uh, I tied that in with the, the continual death of Dr. Blake Downs, which was pretty hilarious. There was a lot to really enjoy. And even just that, that walk away at the end of... Uh, you probably never see me again. This was really successful for me. And the other pick I have, of course, is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It was one of our picks for one of the best episodes of the year. The Gang Broke D, um, a real standout performance from Caitlin Olsen, as well as just, it's going to come up in another one of my uh, categories here in a little bit. So I'm going to stop talking about it there and throw to you. Do you have any disparity or are we, are we kind of on the same page? Uh, those are definitely good picks. I would add the Venture Brothers, who had the only legitimate double length episode of the year as far as i'm concerned uh the the hour-long premiere i I, although i would argue that in general sitcoms doing double length probably works out more often than than dramas doing double length i can't prove it but (laughs) i'm gonna go with it and yes that was that just flew by and it was if it wasn't my favorite episode of the season it was pretty close just dove right in and was consistently hilarious and engaging throughout and really made great use of, of the long format I absolutely agree. Um, so now we move on to our most and least satisfying finales. Did you have any least satisfying? I probably should have. Um, and actually, I will mention one least, which was uh, The Killing. That was not a good finale. It was even worse when it seemed like it was going to be a series finale. Now that they're getting another half season, I'm sort of glad because that was such a lame, lame finale. But at the same time, I'm just, oh, let it die, you guys. Give these guys better jobs. But yeah, especially coming so so soon after six minutes, a very very limp finale. This my pick. I only have one for for least satisfying finale, and this is a show. I love this show. Everyone, don't give me a hard time. We've talked about it before. We talked about it this year. It's a show that I love, but the fringe finale was disappointing. <laughs> I agree. And I, you know, even just the the way that they chose to end, the shot that they chose for the very end cuts out their lead character for the the person who's been their lead character for at least three of the five seasons of the show. I mean, that, that's a problem for me. It, it also just shows a disconnect between what the writers saw as the most important relationship and what I saw as the most important relationship. Um, but yes, the way that the end of the season came together was a little disappointing. And then the finale was, was solid, but I was really hoping that it would go out on a huge high note. So Fringe was my, that was one of the easiest things for me to think of, actually, on all these categories. But let's get positive here. Treme, it's not the, you know, the blockbuster, amazing, um, exactly what you're hoping for finale that Tipitina was last year. Um, and we, we said last year, I don't know how the, they're possibly going to top Tipitina. And they didn't try. They went a different way with it. Um, they didn't try to bring everybody into the same room or anything. But I really enjoyed that that finale. It felt very fitting for the show. So I look forward to seeing what other people think. 
I wasn't huge on Futurama this year, but I did think it went out very nicely. A really sweet finale. Same thing with The Office. I thought that was a very sweet farewell to that show. And I also want to mention Enlightened because that felt like the only way that show could end. You know, that last scene was really heartening. And I felt like maybe Amy Jellico had learned a lesson. You know, it was it was very heartening. I don't. I'm sure that character would immediately regress because if there was another season of the show, uh, because that's who she is. But that's why we like finales, right? We get to tell ourselves that our characters are not going to make the same mistakes again. Right. Side note: Were we doing series finales or season? season but these happen okay. to be series finales. Okay, just checking. Um, to sidestep the more obvious ones, I'll mention the Hannibal finale, which was. Really, really good. Um, as much, the show didn't quite make my top 10, as you already berated me for, but I think in terms of setting up uh, the second season, I'm not sure they could have done a better job. And I think that the marketing for season two has already you know, belayed that point. So well done, them. Uh, I'll also mention uh, Orange is the New Black. <laughs> that was a hell of a finale. Uh, even just the final moments of that episode. I mean, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, the overly cliched uh, Amazing Grace kept it off uh, my finale list. Those final moments are amazing. It's the moments right before the final moments that kind of sour the episode for me just a little bit. It wasn't one of my picks. I respect it being your pick, though. Uh, I'll also mention the Venture Brothers again. Um, again, more so for final moments than for the entire episode, although it was a really good episode along with the rest of the season. Just that the nonchalant way they handled the, the, the characters discovering certain facts about themselves was just perfect and totally in character and reverent to the show's past while not being too reverent. And I think the last one, it's kind of redundant at this point, but come on, Spartacus. Oh my God. Yeah, that I, that was another one of those obviously ones, so I didn't even yes. mention it, but yes. And we're going to transition to another obviously pick here because we're going to go to our best episodes from shows that were not in our top tens, our individual top tens. And we have a whole list of these over at, at uh, Sound On Site. You can read our best episodes of the year list. I think there's, what, 20, 25 sort of episodes on that. And that's uh, there, there will be shows, episodes from the shows that we did list uh, there, but some of this will be overlap. The, the obvious pick here, and I know we agree on this, is Chaos from Southland. Holy crap. Yeah, that's a, an episode of TV that more people need to watch if they want nightmares. That's like the best episode of TV that I never want to watch again. Yeah, it's pretty high. I kind of do want to watch it again, actually. It was occurring to me the other day. I was like, what does it say about me that in making these lists and things, it's making me want to watch that episode again just to experience a Cutlass's uh, performance one more time. It's so good. Okay, I also have Stand By Me from The Vampire Diaries, which was the Elena reacting to Jeremy's death episode. Uh, such such a great episode. Um, the other one I will say is The Day of the Doctor from Doctor Who, which I did just truly enjoy. Is it a, one of the best, greatest, you know, quantifiably great episodes of t TV this year? Probably not. But it's the one that I've seen the most and that I most enjoy rewatching and that I still look forward to being able to watch with my with my sister when she finally gets all caught up and so that we can watch it together. I had a lot of fun with this and I was so expecting for Moffat to let me down that I think that was a little extra element of, oh, thank God, uh, when I did really enjoy that 50th anniversary special. Um, we'll see. I have a feeling that's not going to correlate to the Christmas special coming up here soon. But uh, but for Day of the Doctor, it's it's one of my one of my picks. Anything come to mind for you? Uh, I will. Those are all good picks, um, I've, although I don't care about Doctor Who, obviously. I will mention, as I may have before, 
uh, Nathan Fryu's, I forget what the episode was called, but I'll call it the uh, Sexual Assault uh, Challenge episode, the very special episode of Nathan Fryu. Um, <laughs> there was, I'll give it this, man, there was nothing else on TV remotely like that this year, so hats off to Nathan Fielder and co for that one, because that's not going to leave my brain anytime soon. I look forward to catching up with that show. I've heard so much great uh so, so much great buzz about it at, at the end of the year here. So I, that's one I definitely look forward to catching up with next year. The insurer's a law for valor, what pure carry war. One fervent world of a turgid error. Royal Jura, Royal Jura. I will never forget you, Royal Jura. I'll always be glad I met you, Royal Jura. I will never forget you, Royal Jura. I'll always. These were the best days of my flirm. Do, 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 do. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. What is this? Film before a live studio audience. <laughs> Norm. Mute. Let's go to our scene sort of uh, awards here. We have best and worst reveal. Um, and then you combine this with gut punch, but that's what's coming up next. I'm going to start with my worst reveals. Homeland. It was all a plan, guys. Uh, Dexter. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. Um, and then the bridge, the the way that they handled the the whole villain of the season and the way that I, that was a really unfortunate handling of that. Um, for the most successful reveals, uh, I, I have to have. Well, first of all, Kamali, strike back. Yes, that's a good one. That was just, that was so good. Um, Les Revenants, the twins. Why, of course, why has nobody ever done that before? Brilliant. And It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the gang broke G. 
how did we not see that coming? It's what it had to be. But they handled yeah. it so well. It was so effective, and it was hilarious, and it worked with everything else that had happened in the entire episode. It's one of those reveals that makes you feel like an idiot for not having seen it coming, and those are some of the most entertaining as far as I'm concerned. Um, what made your reveals slash gut punches list? Yes, I have best reveal, twist, or gut punch. Number five, it's this low because they didn't have to come up with it, and that's the Red Wedding. I know, I know, but... It, Still. it would be on my list, except I knew it was coming because I read the books. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I they I dock points for silly reasons, but there you go. Uh, number four would be Arlo's parting words, unjustified. Uh, excellent, excellent gut punch. Fantastic gut punch. No better gut punch, um, except for something that's coming up. Uh, number three would be Jason Biggs on the radio and Orange is the New Black. Oh, so very uncomfortable. Number two is when you already mentioned uh, the gang broke D for it from It's Always Sunny. That was spectacularly executed. And number one, something we just mentioned, so I feel cheap, but I'm going to go with just about the entire second half of Chaos. Yeah. Southland. Yeah. <laughs> I think I felt like there needed to be a separate, oh, breathing? No, you don't need that uh, award just for Chaos and Ozymandias. Uh because damn and uh speaking of ozymandias my obvious pick but i had to have it there for gut punch uh anna gunn's performance as walt dries off with holly is gonna haunt my nightmares forever uh it's just like i felt like that was the the television version of the scream the painting the the moon painting and it just yeah oh my god i didn't think anybody was gonna out fairly fairly in the the red wedding and then anna gunn just as far as I'm concerned, demolished her with that performance. Oh my god. As well as the way the episode builds to it, of course. Also, I have the reveal of the serial number on Orphan Black with Cosima, and that was just such a crushing blow that you find out these 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 women ha have a serial number. They have a they have a patent number in their DNA. And it's just so horrible. And of course it's also paired with the discovery that Cosima is probably gonna die. Um, unless, you know, until they figure out a solution in season two, I have fingers crossed. I'm just choosing to believe that. But those two, that one-two punch in that, in, oh gosh, or Orphan Black. And then I'm very surprised this isn't on your list, sir. Especially because I know you just watched this episode. Bailey Buntain, the blonde bunhead, in Next. You just watch her face crumple and your heart goes with it. Such an amazing final scene. Even though it doesn't really work as a final scene of... Of the series, a series, yeah, but, any series, but it's so good I don't care. So that's my other gut punch. Uh, yeah, well, that's tricky because I I thought about that for our dusty dusty hymns ad category. Uh, so that again, it's always tricky to separate these things. It, it is. Let's uh go to though our fuck yeah moments. Um, do you have any any that come to mind, or is are those sort of were these moments stolen by other categories? Yeah, I think so. I think you're going to ride solo on this one. Okay, well, I have, uh, I think, you, I know you shared this one with me. All of Decoy, Unjustified. It was yeah, that one, goes without saying. One fuck yeah moment after the after the, the next, just in a, in a string. It, it was amazing. People underestimate Bob at their own peril, and uh, just all of that episode was amazing. Uh, I also have, more specifically, Elizabeth beating the crap out of Claudia. On the Americans. On the Americans, yes. Oh, so That's good. That's a good one. 
Uh, and yeah, then, I, th- I thought about that that scene. I couldn't think of which category to put it in, but that is the correct one. And then the other one I have is there was no bigger pump the air moment for me or no. Maybe that's not accurate. There was no moment where my heart lifted on TV this year as when we found out Tui was alive on top of the lake because I just was so sure she was dead. And those st- types of stories, she's always dead. And so when you find out she's not, it, I mean, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. I, it was such a relief and such a hell yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's actually going to survive. That's amazing. Yep. Um, so that had to that had to get a mention there. Let's move on to trippiest scene. I was worried there weren't going to be candidates because last year we had Awake. Last year we had all these other shows that were more fitted to the category. And then I realized I'm a freaking idiot. So many contenders. Were there? I'm not sure about having a lot of standouts this year that really come to mind, but I will say Hannibal will probably be on both our lists. And I couldn't think of, I mean, there were so many horrible nightmarish images that I just thought of a general plot device, which was uh, Will's loss of time and the way that was depicted throughout never ceased to really mess me up. Yeah, that's a, that's a great pick. I also have Hannibal, of course. And for me, the, the, the clear, I mean, I don't know if this counts as trippiest, it's a horrific image, but it's the demonic Hannibal from the finale with the the horns and the creepy eyes and the dark, just like, ah, terrifying. And of course he can see him and no one else can. And that fits so perfectly thematically. And it's trippy as all get out the whole last, you know, stretch of the, of the series is, or the season is, I should say. But that's the single image that sticks in my mind. Yeah, I can't argue with that. And then what's your other pick? Uh, I will give the nod to A Glitch is a Glitch, the Adventure Time episode, which uh, I don't have his name handy right now, so sorry that guy, but they brought in a guest writer and director to handle the entire episode, which is the only time they've ever done that, and I think they should do it more often because it's awesome, and uh, this is a guy who normally does, sort of, I guess, 3D animated art, and they brought him in for this episode that is completely animated in a totally different style from from the rest of the show, and uh, of course they bring in the usual voice actors and it involves a trip into the building blocks of their universe and oh man that goes to some really strange visual places <laughs> yeah that's a great that's a great pick too um i went for for more uh realistic i guess or more um grounded sort of picks uh so i went with grandma ida on mad men the crash uh, when you're watching at, with sally as this this just strange occurrence happens and you're you don't know what's going on and you don't know if this is for reals <laughs> you don't know if this is an actual person from don's past because it could be or it, you know as the scene builds you get a better sense of what's going on but that whole that whole episode is dreamlike and it's just you know bringing sally into it adds some dread adds some you know what the hell is going on and i really like how that how that worked and then the other one i have is the goat man from Rectify, the whole... Oh, how did I forget that? I don't know. Oh, yes. With... Uh... W.L. Brown. With W.L. Brown. That was a fantastic, yeah, 20 minutes or so. What the hell was that about? No idea. Still don't know. <laughs> it was amazing, but I have no idea what it meant. No idea. Totally trippy. Uh, and... and actually, in retrospect, that might be the only set portion of TV that I watched all year that I can say that about. I have no idea what that was about. I don't even have an interpretation of what that was about. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Uh, so that, that was our trippiest scenes. 
I, I had and I had to stop thinking of them because as, as soon as I got those three, I had to like shut off my brain because more kept occurring to me. Um, I did not. I wasn't very successful attempting to do that with funniest scene. I have way too many picks. How did funniest scene work out for you? Okay, in theory, I have three, but um, there's a huge tie. Number three is um, John Oliver's take on the royal birth. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Her Majesty's Secret Service, which I think actually stretched out over two or three nights, which was ridiculous in and of itself. I mean, just the horse in the bar alone, <laughs> uh, it makes that worthy of inclusion. Uh, number two would be Art's speech in praise of Drew Thompson on Justified. I don't think I'm not going to try to quote that. You can play a clip if you like. Where are you going? Going to tell Stadies. Oh, hell no. Hell no. Get back over here. First thing we're going to do is we're going to acknowledge that this guy's awesome. What? I mean, he shoots the Otonin, fakes his own death in a spectacular fashion, pushes a guy out of an airplane while he's flying it, parachutes into Harlan County with enough coke and cash to jumpstart the economy of a small country, and then he has the balls to get a job in law enforcement not once, but two times. He spends a couple of days riding around with you while you're looking for him, and now he's run off with a hooker that's half his age. That's some badass shit. It's pretty badass. Yes, it is. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Are you going to let those guys be the ones, or are we going to be the ones to take that badass? My number one is just sort of a general um, let's give Comedy Central lots more props for their awesome comedy lineup this year. So it's a four-way tie. Uh, Continental Breakfast on Key and Peel. I think their standout sketch for the entire season, although you may disagree. Uh, Nutters on Inside Amy Schumer from Real Sexting. Uh, the various job interviews on Nathan For You. As well as, I gotta give props to Eric Andre crashing the Jess on the Offensive while on shrooms. I think it was shrooms. And then lighting firecrackers under the stage. <laughs> and then prompting a PA to run into the middle of the interview. Uh, you can't really beat that. Interesting. I have Onutters on my list as well. So I'm glad to see that got, get a little love from you. I would I would go with an, any number of sketches over the, the Continental Breakfast. I wasn't as wild by that one as you were, but Key Peel did certainly have a great year. The the picks that I have, this isn't really a pick, but I just sort of adored this scene. I didn't know where else to put it. The OnStar conversation with Yolanda from Sleepy Hollow was just delightful. Um, so that's kind of a funny scene, kind of just, I don't know where else it goes. Um, but as far as straight up funniest scenes for children's hospital, the time loop, I thought was pretty great. Uh, and then NTSF, uh, SDSUV, when Piper's trying to get people to play a game with her, come to her game night and they just, uh, that I, I resemble that scene as I mentioned then. And so it just fits so perfectly for, for my sensibilities and my experiences and then the one I, other one I have here is Louise trying to process having a crush on Bob's Burgers. Whoa, Louise, you like Boo Boo. What? No, Tannis! Okay, right! Like, I like a boy! That's, oh, you think he might like me? Oh my god, what's happened to me? Cut me off, but I'm infected! Pull it out! It's okay, Louise, you're just having a crush. Never! Boo Boo! Oh my god, you are sick, Louise Belcher! You are sick! I'm going to get you through this. Tell me, what do you like about Boo Boo? Nothing! Everything! I don't know! 
Do you like his hair? You mean those stuff blonde bangs you want to hide under like an umbrella on a rainy day? No, not really. And his face? Oh, gross. He's so gorgeous. I just want to slap it. I want to slap it. I just want to slap his hideous, beautiful face. Um, you mean kiss? No, I mean slap. Whoa, you got a bad girl. Yes. It just in general. Yeah, you know, that, that scene when she's talking with Tina, I think works really well. She's like, you've got a crush. And Louis just freaking out and she can't handle it. And she wants to just smother his face, right? Or punch it or what? Oh, gosh, it's just delightful. And that was from Boys for Now, which was one of their earlier episodes this, this season. I feel like it's been really overshadowed by OT, The Outside Toilet, which is also an amazing episode. So I wanted to give a little love to, to that moment because damn, so good. Yes. Um, and then that's now let's give a little bit more somber. Our Dusty Dusty Him Sad Award for the saddest scene. All right. Uh, number three is one that we just got, which is the final seconds of The Hobbit, the 12th or whatever it is, umpteenth season finale of 17th? South Park. 17th season finale of South Park. The only worthwhile thing to air in the 17th season of anything this year. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I was not expecting that subject matter to be handled with any kind of sensitivity by South Park, so... Props to them for that, but also props for that specific last choice of last shot. Damn. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, let's see. I'm tr trying to decide if I should try to steal one of your picks here, but instead I'm going to go thematic and say, in a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. And I'm already getting choked up. Pac-Man fever from Supernatural and just that. Oh, God, I'm getting choked up even just thinking about it again. Uh, Felicia Day was fantastic in the episode and just the performance in that moment was was amazing. I have extra connection to The Hobbit, um, having been read it as a child as well as that character. And so you need to take over. Getting dusty again. <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Um, this I thought about this for Gut Punch, but it felt more appropriate for this category. Yoga, jo Yoga Jones's monologue on Orange is the New Black. Damn. Yeah. That's a good one. Did, did you forget about that somehow? Yeah, I somehow because, did. Yeah. God damn. That's going to be used for an obnoxious theater kids auditions for the next 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I knew that there were going to be picks for this category that I was going to feel like an idiot for not thinking of, and that that's one of them. I'm going to just get the obvious one out of the way here, uh, which is, and I'm probably stealing your pick, and I'm sorry, but the Cheers theme uh, from, from Adventure Time, Simon and Marcy. Uh, I just start. I tried to explain. I was telling my sister she should check in with Adventure Time, and I started trying to explain Simon and Marcy because I've only seen a few episodes, so there's only right, a few yeah. I can explain. And I was just started like, I started just getting so choked up, try, just yeah. describing your way in the world today. Takes everything. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> they've ruined the. I love the Cheers theme, and they've ruined, they've ruined it. Ruined it in the yeah. best possible way. Yeah, I totally cheated for my number one pick, which is. I'm just going to assume something's going to happen or multiple things are going to happen in the last two episodes of Treme that are just going to make me weep like a small child. Okay. So I'm just going to go with that. Okay. And the other pick I have, uh, I'm surprised you don't have this. Maybe it didn't occur to you, but oh God, breathe in and out. Bert, <laughs> Kurt, and Carol in the quarterback glee. Oh, that's almost cheating. It was... An amazing scene. Because well, that that episode had a number of scenes that were conceived and intended to be very emotional. Obviously, the whole cast was very affected by the de death of Cory Monteith, the whole crew and production team over at Glee. Not all the scenes worked. Many of them didn't for me. Especially the ones that involved singing. But that scene 
destroyed me watching it. So the, Michael Malley, Romy Rosemont, Chris Colfer, just boxes trying to oh, take over. Next category. Let's, let's move on. We had to listen to some music. <laughs> take a break. Yeah. And we're going to come back with our show awards. Whew. If I didn't have you, life would be dreary. I'd be string theory without any string. I'd be binary code without a one, a cathode ray tube without an electron gun. I'd be firefly buffing Avengers without Joss Whedon. I'd speak a lot more Klingon, Kalaknacht, Cock Judge Vaughn. And he'd definitely still live with his mom. Ever since I met you, you turned my world around. You're my best friend and my lover. We're like changing electric and magnetic fields. You can't have one without the other. I couldn't have imagined how good my life would get from the moment that I met you, Bernadette. Oh, we couldn't have imagined how good our lives would get. And throw their hissy bits It's up to me to stop them Cause plainly you can see It's got to be my destiny And it's what my cutie mark is telling me I try to keep them laughing Put a smile upon their face But no matter what I try It seems a bit of a disgrace I have to entertain them It's there for all to see It's got to be my destiny and it's what my cutie mark is telling me now good getting all that out all that emotion out this next segment will be our show awards and the, these first two are going to be pretty straightforward uh best new comedy and, and best new drama anything that's in our top 10 it seems pretty obvious right i don't i'm not sure i apparently don't have any new comedies in my top 10 so this will be a little bit trickier i i cheated uh, orange is the new black i know it's kind of a drama but it's also kind of a comedy so I included that as one of my favorite new comedies. That is cheating. Totally. Um, included in my best new comedies, I have a tie, sort of. Uh, in third place, I'm going to put Nathan for you. Um, if only because thinking back on the stuff that I really enjoyed this year, it's one of the most I'm excited to see how they're going to up the ante next season. But I'm going to give an asterisk and a point to Moon Boy because I only watched one episode, but I did really like it. So I'm A, I'm anticipating uh, watching the rest of the season, and B, um, very curious to see how they're going to sustain that premise. Um, I mean, how they're going to sort of expand on it rather. It's not difficult to, to sustain it all, but curious to, as to how they'll expand on it. Uh, number two is um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I don't think wowed anyone really. Like it, it's, 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 it's just instant comfort food. It's, I, I don't think it's going to become one of the greatest shows of all time, but I think they've got a really good, solid bedrock, and I think we're going to be getting solid laughs out of it for 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 
quite a while. Whether it's ever going to get Parks good, I have my doubts, but it's certainly starting off better than Parks did, so there's points for that. Yep, and I have uh, I have that one on my list, and I also have Moon Boy on my list, and I have a feeling I've forgotten what, you know, the show, I just wrote one down because I'm pretty sure I'm an idiot, and you're about to say it, so I'll let you say that, but I, I just wanted to mention that I'm glad you enjoyed Moon Boy. We haven't had a chance to talk about it since you checked out the, the episode that you did, um, so I'm glad to hear you liked it. Uh, it was certainly a nice surprise for me, one of the, my favorite discoveries. It filled the Ben and Kate sized hole in my television heart this year, and I really recommend people check it out. It's up on Hulu. Like you, I also had Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I enjoy it more than you do uh, at this point. We'll see what happens next year, but um, but I, it was the only other comedy that really came to mind until I remembered what I think you're going to say next, which is uh, Comedy Central's Inside Amy Schumer, which we had such a good time with earlier in the year. Admittedly, the season started stronger than it ended. She kind of felt like it was running out of steam near the end, but I'm hopeful that with the time between seasons, she'll have time to come up with some really kick-ass new material. I'm hoping they give her a little bit more money next season. That would be nice. And just the fact that I'm hoping that the fact that Judd Apatow is directing a movie she's going to write and star in the following year is going to give her a boost of confidence and, you know, help her to do even better stuff next season. So it's it's the show I'm I'm probably most excited about in terms of comedies next year that started this year. Yeah, you were talking and you said Brooklyn Nine-Nine was your number two. And I was trying to think, what what was... And then I realized Inside Amy Schumer started this year, Kate. Clearly that is the number one for, for Simon and uh, also my other pick. Uh, for drama, I have boring picks. I'm just going to list them off here. Hannibal, The Americans, Top of the Lake, Rectify, Orphan Black. Any of these ones that we've already mentioned. I don't have any... Any other ones that uh, I that I would rate higher or in the same category as these that I haven't already said? I, I guess check out Borgen if you haven't. Check out The Wrong Man's. Check out Bletchley Circle. These other ones, but they don't quite. Wait, wait a up. minute. Are you really considering The Wrong Man's a drama? I guess it's a com. It's it comedy. It's... You've just counted Orange Is the New Black as a comedy, and The Wrong Man okay. is a drama. Okay, those I... both seem wrong to me. Okay, I'm wrong. We can switch those. But but you know, I don't have anything more compelling to say about these shows that I haven't already said. Anything for you? Pretty much all those plus Rectify, which you somehow didn't mention. I thought I did. I didn't. My bad. Yes, all those are great. The Returned, I think, has potential, although we we weren't wowed by the direction by at the end of the season. But they could honestly do anything next year. So we'll see. Yeah. Let's move on to our most improved and most not improved. Um, Breaking Bad for me. Last year it was number, what, five on my list? Maybe number six, something like that. This year, obviously, it's number one. It was an amazing season. They went from one of their weakest half seasons to their best half season. Um, And that's I think that's an achievement worth mentioning. Yes, I think that's true. My three are obvious, so I'm just going to get those out of the way. Uh, Always Sunny, way better season than last year. I think uh, a little less obvious but notable, I think Key and Peele had a, had a maybe 25% better batting average than last year, which for a sketch show is a kind of a huge deal. That's actually, it's a lot of work, so well done for them. And got to mention also The Good Wife, which went from being really good to being really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, I also had The Good Wife as one of my picks. Uh, I have a little question mark next to the newsroom, because we went from sort of hate-watching it last year to watching it briefly not hate watching it yeah so it got better i mean it didn't get a lot it didn't get better enough that we were like yay we can't wait to watch it but 
you know, so that, I felt like I should mention it, I guess. And I do think The Walking Dead um, really improved over the course of the season. It kind of dipped back down towards the end there because I hate the governor. But uh, and just the way that was handled was foolish, not just my personal hatred of that character, but the handling of that character on the show was, was not particularly good. But I also want to mention uh, for my least improved, I guess, or most not improved or it's gotten you worse. You just say slipping. Slipping. Uh, Homeland, obviously. Um, I stopped watching it this year. I need to catch That's back my up. Number one. It's your it's number everyone's one. Everyone's number one. It should be everyone's number one. I enjoy how many best of the year lists, by the way, have been using a picture from Homeland, and then you click, and they're like, "Nope, Homeland didn't make the cut," but we didn't want to spoil our list. Uh, so I think that's hilarious. I also have in here Archer, which even when I went back and looked at an episode list, I, I had trouble remembering exactly what happened. And that's a sad thing for the show. Parenthood and Treme I also have on here. It's not their fault. Treme had such an amazing show uh, season last year. It was their best. It was my number one of the year last year. I I loved that so fully. This season I also loved, but they only had five episodes. You can only tell so much story in the Treme style in five episodes. So that one I don't think is really their fault. But while I did really love this season of Treme, it's nowhere near for me the heights of, of season three. Parenthood, similar thing. They were never going to top the Christina Cancer arc. It just wasn't going to happen. And sort of the opposite problem to Treme, actually, where I don't think the longer episode order really saves them. Exactly. So those were to, you know, they they slipped a little bit. But again, I don't know how much of that is the creative people's fault in, in who are involved in the show. What made your uh, dishonorable mentions here? I would, uh, I will co-sign on Homeland, obviously, and Archer, which I still really enjoy. But yes, definitely not as good as past seasons. And I would add Parks and Recreation, which is... I would say, I think I'm, pr I'm pretty sure I said this last year, and I'm saying it again this year, even compared to last year. It's a, a kind of a shadow of its former self and should maybe consider packing it in. Although that's not going to happen because it's now NBC's top rated comedy. Oh! I kind of love oh, that, wow. though. I kind of love that Parks and Recreation has somehow survived and is now their top rated comedy. Um, yeah, I. Well, but somehow the answer is because NBC. Well, I guess that's very true. Um, yeah, and that's kind of one of the ones like with Bob's for me. I'm seeing it show up on all these end of year lists and I'm like, guys, I mean, I love these shows. I really enjoy the characters and I'm very happy to watch it every week. But were you watching the season that I was watching? Because it was just very enjoyable. I almost never laughed out loud in a consistent way um, for either of the two shows. So I I'm just sort of out of touch with everybody else, I think, with these seasons of Parks and also Bob's. Next up is our most and least alluring universes, and one of my picks for least was a pick for most last year. Do you have a guess? Ooh, I forget your picks. I don't remember things from more than three months ago, obviously, as evidenced by my list. Um, so, no, go for it. Last year, I wanted to hang out and play True Americans. This year, I don't want to be anywhere fucking near Jess and Nick. Or Schmidt, or anyone <laughs> who isn't call. Winston, and maybe Coach and Cece. I can hang out with those three characters. And Winston's cat. And what Winston's cat. Name? I don't even remember, but she can come. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, good choice. Um, least, I actually have, I have, I have the list as most alluring universe and most repellent universe. Um, most repellent universe I'll give to Black Mirror's The Entire History of You. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty terrible. And you would think that several other episodes of that series would be, would be way more obvious choices? No. This, that was the douchiest, for sure. Um, most alluring universe I'll give to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where cops are universally affable and well-meaning. 
I also have Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, for for wow. le- for Lee Deloring, I have Hannibal as well. It's such an obvious pick, but you know, no, thank you. <laughs> Where serial killers are everywhere. <laughs> But back to the the ones that I would like to spend some time in. I want to hang out in the back of the police car uh, with, with the, the the buddy cop duo on 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 Sleepy Hollow. I want to watch some you know some high jinkery as we discuss the differences between life then and now. That would be a lot of fun. And then also bunheads. I'll just hang out in the studio. I can play music for them while they're dancing or something. You know, I can make myself useful and just sort of hang out in that world. It'd be delightful. So those are my most and least alluring universes. Uh, we also have our most overrated and our most underrated. And I'm curious if uh, how, how much this being the end of the year and seeing end of your lists affected your your picks for this this category. A lot, um, obviously. Overrated. I if we don't have some of these in common, I'll be shocked. House of Cards. Oh, and uh, that's rated. That's well rated at this point. It is. It was definitely rated. I'm seeing it show up on on not. I would say I'm seeing it show up on roughly half, maybe slightly under half of the end of the year lists. Seconded, guys. Yes, that's ridiculous. Come on, guys. We can we can do better for our prestige dramas. Not that it wasn't well made. Not that Corey Stoll wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, you know, other other things that were good here and there. But come on, guys. We can do better. Go watch Borgen instead. And Boardwalk Empire. Uh, in a similar vein, the prestige drama that shouldn't be. I don't need to say more than that. The number one choice I think we're both going to agree on, and that's Broadchurch. Yeah. As much as, again, not a bad show, and actually better than the two shows I just named, but probably the fifth most compelling murder mystery of the year. Well, yeah, and I'm seeing it on, like, all of the lists. Sometimes it's really high, too, which is kind of strange to me. But even just being at your number eight of the year, people are seeing something in that show that, that I certainly am not. And, I mean, I didn't even like as much as you did. Um, so, I mean, I, again, amazing performance from Olivia Coleman, amazing performance from David Tennant, a lot of really strong supporting performances. I ended up being glad I spent the time there, but I had too many problems with that over the course of this, the series. Every character gets to be a red herring. They do go through like four, five red herrings where you're like, come on guys, it's episode three. We know that, uh, th- that, uh, that Walder Frey didn't do it. So let's move on. Um, yeah, I had, I had issues with Broadchurch showing up at the end. I was very surprised to see it show up at the end of, of the year on all of these lists. Also, somehow still on people's best of the year list, uh, Downton Abbey. Really? I haven't seen that anywhere. I've seen it in a few places. Uh, so, yes, I really loved episode five. I really thought they handled that death so well, as I mentioned earlier. But, yeah, Downton still, I think it's overrated. It definitely has too many viewers. Um, also on here for me, uh, and I know I'm going to get some hate, from Mario and some of our other people, but uh, Scandal. Guys, I don't get it. I don't... What are you seeing that I am not seeing? I would so much rather be watching Alias right now than with what they're doing. And I I want... and I like crazy shows. I like heightened shows. I like melodramatic, soap opera-y kind of, you know, relationship drama-y shows. But Scandal is really not working for me. Uh, and and I've, I've stopped watching. I watched, like, a solid 10, 15 episodes of the show this year, at least. And I just, I don't see what everybody loves about the show as much as I want to like those performers. And much as, as much as Bellamy Young is fantastic. And I'm so glad they cast Candy Alexander to be Olivia's mom, but nope, not getting all the scandal love. All right. Underrated. Uh, Can we just say I will get... Spartacus together, Tremay yeah, together. Motherfucking Spartacus. Uh, Tremay should be in there too. 
Um, the two less obvious picks, I'm going to give some points to uh, Mob City, just for not being terrible, actually, because I think every, I think we all just assumed that was going to be terrible. I know I did. I think probably secretly you did, or not so secretly. It was being burned off at the end of the year in the most thankless way possible, and it actually ended up being pretty enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I went with, um, obviously, the thing with Treme for me is that it's, not only is it not on anybody's list at the end of the year, nobody seems to really be talking about it or writing about it, other than the 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 few people who are very, uh, very actively covering it, such as our, our friend of the show, Dave Walker, over at uh, NOLA.com. But uh, most of the people, most of the critics that I follow seem to have... Um, forgotten that the show is kind of happening right now and it's not a flashy season i understand that but i would like for it to be getting more love at the end of the year here uh, my other picks that i have here ntsfsd suv which i'm sure most people don't even realize exists and for those who do realize it exists there seems to be a strong segment of the fan base who thinks karen gillen was not good on this season which is ridiculous because she was hilarious as far as i was concerned She's She's going to try her American accent. Oh, my God. That Come was, on, guys. That was amazing. Oh, so much fun. <laughs> and then the other one I have is So You Think You Can Dance. Because no one's watching and no one's praising. And I don't get it because I think it's a fantastic reality competition show. Consistently underappreciated. And it gets demolished by Dancing with the Stars every single year. Why are you guys watching that? Watch the actual dancers. Be good but, at but, dancing. But, but but that one has stars. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't yeah. fair enough uh i have one more show to mention which is guys if you're gonna list Broadchurch, you should maybe watch the fall first because that was better i have no idea why it's not a miniseries and that that just went on maybe one more episode i have no idea how they're gonna do another season series sorry but for what we got it was pretty damn compelling and way less full of holes than Broadchurch was. Definitely. Next is our RIP awards, the shows that are gone but not forgotten from our hearts. Which are the shows you're going to most miss in 2014? Uh, they're all pretty obvious, but I guess we'll list them off. Bunheads, yeah. Spartacus, yeah. Uh, Ben and Kate. Yeah. Um, what am I forgetting here? There's a lot of them. I didn't go with Spartacus just because it needed to end and they ended it so well. So I will miss it because I love it, but I will not miss it because it shouldn't have been canceled. Bunheads and Ben and Kate, though, I cannot say the same thing. I really wish those hadn't been canceled. Uh, do you have any other ones that stand out? For I, on a second sort of tier, I have Go On, because I think that actually that showed a lot of potential. was just kind of coming into its own this year. And then, of course, Happy Endings, which, you know, I really enjoyed Happy Endings. I love spending time in that universe, even if they're all terrible people, uh, time and again. But uh, I really did enjoy that show, and I'm definitely missing it uh, not being out of the air. And in remembrance of the good times, I'll say Fringe. Yeah, I have Fringe as one of my, hey guys, that, that aired this year. And there were a few of those for me. I keep I, have, I had to keep reminding myself that Fringe actually aired this year. Uh, you know what else aired this year? Last Resort. Wow. Yeah, that did end this year. That was not a good finale. <laughs> uh, 30 Rock uh, ended this year. Futurama ended this year. And Simon, do you remember there was an entire season of Smash this year? <laughs> I didn't watch one microsecond of it. Smash moves me right into our Ringer Award for show we should have stopped watching. And I considered Smash because I did watch about four or five episodes of the second season to see how things were shaking out. But instead, I had to go with a couple other picks. For I think um, mine are going to be pretty self-evident. What did you go with for the Ringer Award? Uh, for watching more than an episode and a half, I'm going to give it to Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I always knew that was an ill-conceived idea, but I let other people trick me into thinking that it wasn't. 
And for that, I watched, I think, four whole episodes. At least three of those were a mistake. That's a great pick. Um, I don't have it, though, because you know, you know what show we watched all of? True Blood. You know, yes, we did, didn't we? <laughs> you know what show I watched way too much of? Defiance. And you know what else was this year? And I, I stuck with it longer than I should have, hoping that it would somehow become interesting cult. How much cult did you watch? I watched at least four episodes, I think. Dude! <laughs> I know, right? Because I, I would just be morbidly curious, and I would tune back in. And at a certain point, I didn't expect it was going to get better. But I watched enough of it that... I, I really I really shouldn't have. Uh, so that's that was the first one that came to mind for me for for Ringer and uh, sort of the opposite of that. What's the show that you think that uh, that we think is most likely to actually break through next year? Sort of in the way that Bob's Burgers has broken through this year to re receive much more critical acclaim and hopefully much bigger ratings. Uh, what what are the shows that you think are sort of waiting? Um, I would like to think Orphan Black is one of them. I would like to think Hannibal is one of them. I'd like to think of that for for several shows, but it's kind of unlikely to happen. I think the two that are most likely, uh, in terms of, I'll give one drama and one comedy. I think the Americans could do it this year. Uh, it because it, it actually had a pretty solid base in terms of like it didn't get terrible ratings its first year. I actually think it got pretty good ratings for FX, and I could see it doing considerably better this year. For comedies, I'm going to go out on a limb because it's an international series, but considering it's already been renewed for two more seasons, there's obviously quite a lot of confidence, and everyone loves Chris O'Dowd, so I'll give it to Moon Boy. I think if more eyes get on that, it could be a really big deal. I think, yeah, that would be great. I'm not expecting that to happen, though. I, I think viewers kind of showed that they weren't going to tune in for Chris O'Dowd when they nobody watched The Family Tree. Um, so uh, that could, oh, good point. that could be the Christopher Guest thing, but, uh, but yeah, I, I love Moon Boy. I hope it does break through. That would be great. Uh, but, but yeah, it didn't, that didn't make my list. I also had, uh, Hannibal and Orphan Black. It'd be nice if it got more viewers. It already has a lot of praise. Also, Orange is the New Black. I don't actually think I've met anyone in person who has seen it. All of us online have seen it. We all loved it, but... I've yet to meet a person and talk to them in conversation. TV comes up and I say, oh, have you seen Orange is the New Black? Such an amazing show this year. Most of them don't even know what that is. So I have seen several people in public transit reading the book. So I'm going to take that as a sign. Oh, fingers crossed that it gets. I mean, we it's, it's a strange pick for this category because we don't know what the, ra what the ratings are. We have no way of Thanks, knowing. Thanks, Netflix. But, uh, the, and the other two, the comedy picks I have, uh, Keen Peel. I'm hoping that gets more widespread, you know, critical buzz. I think critics who talk about sketch comedy really enjoy it and really praise it. I don't know how great the ratings are or not, but uh, I would like them to have a little bit more job security over there. And also Adventure Time. It's gotten a little bit of buzz because of Simon and Marcy, but still not a lot here at the end of the year. I'm hoping it gets more critical acceptance and we get more critics actively following and talking about Adventure Time in the next year. I think, I think it could happen. Yeah, I would just add Ari, Key, and Peele. If half of the people who regularly watch SNL gave Key and Peele a chance, they would not keep watching SNL. Yeah, I, it's sort of strange to me that some of these far more successful, uh, at least for me, comedically successful shows, are, are struggling to find viewers. Whereas, I guess just because it is SNL, it gets, you know, that maybe that live element or just, just habit keeps people watching SNL instead. But that wraps up our show awards. We're going to come back for one more category. That's right, we're still going. And those are our miscellaneous, uh, the, the, those awards that couldn't quite fit into another category. So we'll be right back with that. 
Hi, Karen Cartwright. Hi, Ivy Lynn. Are you ready to give the people what they want? Always. I stumbled around a bit while looking for my big break. Some gentlemen opened doors, but once inside, they were all on the make. To sparkle, I lit a match, and I met some bridges with segment of the night of the year is our miscellaneous section so so there's only a few categories here but let, let's start with our best discoveries of the year shall we go with shows no longer on the air or shall we go with discoveries from 2013 uh let's start with a series well not on the air this year like older series that we started with and i think the big obvious one for me is slings and arrows which i really should have already seen given that it's canadian tv royalty involved and that's probably why I hadn't already seen it, frankly, because Canadian TV is just a bad idea, usually. And everything about that show is fantastic, and that segment was fantastic, and every second of watching that series was fantastic, and I hope to own it soon. Yeah, that's also was the first one that came to mind for me. Uh, some of the other ones I had to remind myself, oh, that was this year. But Slings and Arrows was a big discovery for me. And uh, it was, like you said, it was a great segment. We had uh, Todd Vanderwerf from the AV Club on. The show itself was such a wonderful discovery. It falls right in that sweet spot for me with Shakespeare, with behind the scenes, with comedy, with ghosts, with all sorts of good stuff. Great show. Um, I also, also had a few more picks here. Um, thank you for this one-ish on death row. Simon. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. That, that, the, what, you know, the guy, snake guy, just still, every now and again, you know, pops up in my mind and I can't unsee it. So thank you. Um, <laughs> but also, Bored to Death and Blackadder were both two fun comedic discoveries for me this year. How about you? Any other picks come to mind? Oh, Blackadder was fantastic. Bored to Death was all right. See, but Blackadder I knew about. Bored to death, I knew almost nothing. Um, and so the big one for me was Slings and Arrows because I hadn't even heard of it. 
But yeah, there you go. But and 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 dramatic, I guess. Same thing with on death row. But uh, for for ones that were on my periphery, but I'm that I'm glad I finally saw. Those are the two that came to mind. What is your best non? Uh, what was your best discovery of something specifically 2013 related? I was trying to think of a way to include this stuff, and this seemed like the best way to do it. I wanted to honor some talents who I think we should be on the lookout for in other mediums next year via two web series I caught this year. Uh, first up is Natasha Allegri, who's the creator and animator behind Bee and Puppycat, which is exactly and silly as silly as and awesome as it sounds. She uh, used to work, or possibly still works, I'm not sure, as a storyboarder on on Adventure Time. Very similar comic sensibility, but coming from a, from a different sort of perspective. Uh, a little bit more adult, but still completely silly and surreal and hilarious. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. It's funny and awesome in all the ways you would expect from the title. And I also wanted to mention um, uh, Ben Sinclair and Katja Blitchfeld, who are the creators of a show called High Maintenance, which is a web series about a pot dealer and his clients, which sounds horrible. But it's actually amazing. Uh, I, I say amazing. Sometimes it's very good. And then the later, slightly longer episodes are actually legitimately amazing. Uh, a couple of them anyway. And I'm they've just sort of gotten better and better with that. So I'm hoping that they get a... a I mean, not that there's anything wrong with doing a web series. But it would be nice to see them extend to getting a proper series through a proper outlet that isn't Vimeo at some point. Because there's obviously some real talent there. I have not seen any of those, so I clearly have some homework ahead of me because I'd like to, to catch up with both of those. It was sound interesting. I went with, uh, well, first of all, this is going to be an obvious one for anybody who's listened this far into the podcast, but uh, Amy Schumer, I was not familiar with her at all before Inside Amy Schumer. I, I'd, I'm sure I had seen her in something, uh, but but I did certainly didn't know even the name. Um, and then also, the, we both decided, by the way, that this could not be a show that we have already discussed for ad nauseum for three hours. Um, so the shows I'm not drinking enough, the shows I will mention are elementary, which I caught up with this year and which was a beautiful surprise for me. I wrote the show off after the first uh, episode or two in season one, and I kept hearing all this great uh, praise. So I, ch I tuned back in and I've actually, that's, that's one of the network shows that I watch most consistently. Uh, I catch it almost every week. And um, so I, I figured this was a good place for me to put it. Also Hollywood game night. I had so much fun with that this year. They're going to have a, a holiday special. And I was just, I got the email about that and was just, had a stupid silly grin on my face for the rest of the day. So I had so much fun with that. Um, I like party games anyways, if you couldn't tell based on my funniest scenes pick from NTSFSD SUV. Um, but I, I was, that was a very pleasant surprise for me. So that was one of my other discoveries from this year. How about disappointments? How can you talk about disappointment in 2013 and not talk about Arrested Development? Yeah, I, I that was my last one to come on the list because I forgot that was a thing that happened this year because I've so completely blocked it out of my mind. Yeah, let's move on. Um, also, I don't think you can talk about disappointment without talking about the bridge, which I think broke FX's long, fantastic streak of almost flawless first, you know, like almost stupidly, mysteriously flawless first seasons of dramas. Um, they had a good run. They had a really good run. I'd say it lasted in the, the period in between, I don't know, Nip Tuck and The Bridge. was. Those were some good years for them. But um, yeah, that just didn't work out the way I was hoping, despite having many individual great parts. 
Uh, and I'm still hopeful that they can make it work if they ditch the stuff that didn't work, but I'm not convinced they're going to do that. Yeah, Jono's still on the show, so that tells you, that tells me all I need to know about if they are aware of the things that seem to be problems to me or not. Um, but yeah, I do think, I had the bridge on here, um, and I do think that uh, it was it was a good season. It was, it was There was good stuff about it, but it doesn't compare to the first seasons of any of the other shows that we think of when we think of FX. Um, I also have Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was, you know, clearly a disappointment. And Marin. I had hopes for Marin. That happened this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Marin. Some chuckles here and there, but I never felt compelled to check out future episodes after the first couple. Yeah, it wasn't going to ever really live up to Louie, but it was very much modeled in that vein, and so I, that was definitely a disappointment. And and it hurt more since we didn't get any Louis this year. Definitely, that's one of really we're both re- I know really looking forward to coming back in 2014. Our second last category here. Spotlight of shame. I want to hear yours first. Now, normally for all these other categories, I've overthought them and had way too many picks. For this one, I have one pick, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. My spotlight of shame is on anybody who is watching the following. <laughs> that was my original pick until I gained my mind. Um, yeah, that show still is on. Is It's coming be... back, guys. It's coming back. Yeah. Um... <laughs> you could have been watching Hannibal, people, and you didn't. You actively didn't. Instead, you're like, I know what I want. The following with its non-discussion of violence, with its uh, with its bizarre sexual politics, and certainly some very questionable LGBT politics, with its tor- just ter- with its I can't decide whether I should say horrible or terrible, so I'm saying them both. <laughs> Depictions terrible. of of violence and sadism and its sexualization of uh, and fetishization of violence, particularly against women. Let's watch the following and not watch Hannibal. Oh my God, people. Shame. Can 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 we reserve some shame for the millions and millions of people who tuned into in Duck Dynasty every week and knew about what Phil Robertson was up to and still kept watching anyway? I've I plead the fifth. I have not seen any Duck Dynasty. That's been an entertaining thing to follow on Twitter. Um, but what is your pick? My pick, uh, the executives at AMC. This year? What what stands up for this year? Because I I would have thought last year. It's sort of, I mean, it's kind of a retrospective war, but I mean, this is the year they greenlit all their spinoffs, which is is definitely worthwhile in terms of mentioning. Maybe they can, I mean, they do have some more original programming coming up, like that show with Jamie Bell with the terrible title, but they've just demonstrated a consistent lack of imagination, a consistent cowardice in terms of development of original programming. Uh, consistent disdain for their showrunners and the ones that they should really have the most respect for. And that that was, uh, yeah, maybe 75% last year, but it definitely continued into this year. They desperately need to rethink their strategy because it's not going to work long term, I don't think. Oh, but Simon, Low Winter Sun, it's the future. Oh, what's that? You want to watch the trailer for next week's Breaking Bad? We think the first five minutes of Low Winter Sun will keep you watching. No, they didn't, guys. Uh, that was never going to work. I feel so bad from Rock Strong and Lenny James. They deserve so much Costa better. Beale. That that whole oh. cast. It's a really good cast. That whole cast deserves much better. Um, but that's that's a great pick. Of course, uh, obviously, honorable mention to ABC Family executives for not only canceling Bunheads but waiting so painfully until the middle of the summer to do so. So we all held out hope that just. 
just maybe if we clapped hard enough and believed in fairies that somehow this little show <laughs> could come back for another year um but yeah i think your choice and my choice both were good ones our final category here it's been a very quotable year unfortunately i don't think we sh it's quite legit to just say all of justified or just to you know rattle off any of the number of of amazing quotes we could pick from justified season 4 what comes to mind for you for the the just the handful two or three best quotes of the year uh, i will say for some reason one line or line reading that really stuck with me was um the only one who gets to be disgusted with by me is me for masters of sex that was a good one i'll remember that one um other than that i'm terrible at quote retention and there were so many good ones this year so i'm gonna leave you to steer this one well i only have a couple no one will be surprised by my desire to see Roman blood on fucking snow. Because that's, nope. that's how you have to say that. You can't say it any other way. I mean, you it's not. Just can't. Yeah. Um, for Justified, obviously, I would like to be portrayed by young Gerard Depardieu. Such a, I didn't even know I wanted that. And then it happened. And I just like, Mwah, a perfect into the air, kiss the air moment. Uh, then we had, of course, the Drusitania, Drew Baca, Nancy Drew. That doctor on the television, all of the Drew puns, just fantastic. Both of those, obviously, from Decoy, from Justified. The Lannisters send their regards. Very highly memorable quote. And then my final one, I had to write it out here because I, I needed to get the exact syntax. All I wanted was to eat the chicken that was smarter than all the other chickens to absorb its power and to make a nice Kiev. Orange is the new black, red. Yes. I will never forget that quote about the chickens. Amazing. I loved it. Hilarious through line, but more than... I, I consider giving that to, to one of the funniest moments or funniest scenes, but I had to save it for best quotes because, damn. 2013 is over. 2013 is over. We've killed it. We've, uh, we, we've killed the horse and have been uh, beating it over the head anyways for the past three hours. Um, Sweet baby Jesus, that's unholy. Any hopes or, or, or predictions for 2014? Any final thoughts on the year that was? Uh, when we do this podcast next year, we need fewer categories. <laughs> <laughs> we need to we need to talk less. We need fewer categories, or there needs to be less great TV for us to talk about. We'll see what happens. Oh God, I'm I'm going to predict actually this next year is going to be even more insane. Almost everything that we loved this year is coming back next year, along with a raft of stuff that's so much new stuff a lot of which is going to be amazing i think and louis so you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be doing our mid-season preview uh next week and looking at some of the new shows that are that are headed our way as well as returning favorites <laughs> even just the first few months of the year are redonkulous you know i think it's very very sweet of network executives to make sure that while film is in its in its weakest thinnest period in january and february television is at one of its most busy most successful most creatively and uh critically satisfying parts of the year uh that that wraps up our, our our podcast this week our unending podcast of course you can find a post up for this at soundonsite.org you can leave us a comment there let us know what your favorite 
in any of these categories were um, for 2013. Let us uh, let us know what you are looking forward to in 2014. You can also find us in iTunes where we have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. You can also reach us on on email, theteleverse at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from everyone and we will get back to our listener feedback uh, in the next episode. Um, we also, we figured we had enough to talk about yeah. uh, with just listening to ourselves talk. We look forward to 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 getting back to talking to you guys in the next episode. You can also like us on Facebook to follow the goings on at Sunset TV. And of course you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am at the televerse. You are at sucker Howell. And thank you everyone for what has been a fantastic and highly enjoyable year of television. And it's been great talking about it with all of you. I look forward to talking about this stuff even more as we get into next year, as people catch up on series and as, as well as of course, all the wonderful television that I'm sure is headed our way in 2014. So thank you everyone for listening this week, this year, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse. also have it's it's a boring pick but carrie preston elizabeth tassioni uh oh no she's been in more than one damn it i can't pick her she's recurring she's recurring do you have a recurring list because i do one episode one episode ladies one episode ladies Ah, i thought you were gonna go longer (laughs) i didn't realize you only did three i thought you did three of each gender are we doing for time not great not Not great great, bob Bob. So good. How did we not mention Bob Benson yet? I will get there, I'm sure. Uh, well, characters. Yoink. Mine. You can take it too Damn if it. you want.